now, introducing a man who during the shutdown took to the streets and sold his body just for some smoky thigh wings. When reached for comment, he said, have you ever had them? If you haven't had them, you can't judge. You just don't know. I would have done worse. No regrets. He salivates when he hears the word smoky. He is Glenn Clark. One of those mornings, huh? It was 5-4 in the ninth end. And look, I don't question, oh, skip my skip. But John Schuster made the decision. He said, we're going to sacrifice a point in order to hold the hammer for the tenth. And again, I'm not a man who questions my, my skip. I I go to war for that man. You whatever he says, I do it. That's my skip, John Schuster. And he said, "Well, go ahead and let him have this point. We won't even try to do anything about it." Cuz we want to hold the hammer for the 10th. Go down by 2. Which meant you'd have to hit the shot of your life on the final stone. But apparently, that was a better strategy than letting them have the hammer in a tie game. You know, again, who am I to question? The hour skip. Captain America. How'd that work out? I want to do the show. I want to do it. Y'all can do your own show, you know? You know, you know I, I do enough for you. I come in here. I've come in here every day for seven years. Eight years. Eight, eight years? Eight years? I don't ask for much. I just don't want to have to come on immediately after our hopes and dreams were crushed by those scumbags from Great Britain. It's over. Cancel. It's all canceled. Forget it. Forget it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to bet on it. I don't want to do anything. I just want to wallow in my misery. I want to I eat a lot of uh, terrible food for me. I want to dump an entire bag of shredded cheese down my throat. I want to I sit and I want to listen to the sound of silence. Oh, I hit the wrong button. That was going all right. How am I supposed to, how, no offense to Keith Law, who's going to join us in a few minutes, how am I supposed to care about Adley Rutschman? They're not even playing baseball. Well, I guess he'll probably start in the minor league, so he will be. But you know what I mean? How am I supposed he, to talk about the Daytona 500 in, this, in these times, in these trying times in our country, when our heroes have failed us? How am I supposed to talk to John Klasmeyer from Perry Hall, Calvert Hall alum, UMBC alum? Chase Briscoe, tr- uh, crew chief. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to be expected to do that? When, and by the way, why is Buffalo Springfield suddenly playing for my phone? How am I supposed to talk to Paul Cantabene about this season starting for Stevenson and him being announced for induction into the Pro Lacrosse Hall of Fame? How am I supposed to do that? 
How am I supposed to do that when this is all going on? How in the hell am I supposed to talk? Jake Funk has to be the happiest man on the face of the planet today. He got drunk at a Super Bowl parade yesterday. I'm supposed to talk to him? Just hours removed from all of our dreams coming to a crushing conclusion? Forget it. I hope you prepared for something for today, Paul. I hope you've got something, uh, because I, I, I refuse. I refuse to do this show when everything came to such... Why? why? Again, look, man, I'm not here. I, I, I don't, I don't want to have to pull this out. I don't like doing this. Because I don't like questioning my skip, our skip, our country's skip, our singular leader in Los Estados Unidos. But let's be honest about something. I am an undefeated curling skip. I have never been bested. Literally perfect for my career. Need I remind you? See that? Greatest curler ever. Skip of skips. They call me skip wise in some circles. Really? Really? Playing to get two in the final end? Really? That's the strategy? Really? Really? That's cool. I'm totally over it. I just needed to I needed to spend a few minutes, needed to get it all worked out of my system. We'll go get the bronze, baby. That's that's just as good. I hear bronze is the new gold. That's what I hear. I hear bronze is the new gold. It's just, you know what? We already had the gold, so now we can com- sort of complete the, the collection a little bit. So, um, so we got that going for us, which is nice. Not like I pulled over in a gas station so I could watch the dramatic conclusion of the, the semifinal this morning. Also, let's talk about the fact they schedule the semifinal for the same day as the last match of the regular season. Let's talk about that. What other sport has ever done that, huh? What's that about? scheduling the semifinals for the same day. Imagine, right? Imagine in week 18 of the NFL season, you know, the, the, the Rams beat the or lose the 49ers. They turn around they're like, all right, now run back out there. You got another game to play. What the hell sport is this? I got a lot of questions. I got a lot. I got a lot of questions about how all of this works. No worries, though. I'm totally over it. I just need you to guys know I'm totally over it. All's good. No problem whatsoever. Everything's everything's groovy, man. I'm t- Why? Why? What are you doing? What, 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 what are we doing? What, what are you doing over there? We've got to stop doing that. We're doing a show. I know, I know we, we are. Stop, stop, stop playing with your phone. I'm not stop. playing with I'm getting Lord, Twitter handles. That's fine. Do that another time. Do that before the show. We can't do that during the show. People are watching you on camera thinking you're not listening to the show. Like, I'm looking at you. That, that doesn't matter. You're doing something else, Paul. This is We got cameras here. This isn't like radio. People are watching. we got to be engaged. This is a, um, this is, this is, good morning, it's Glenn Clark Radio, I'm Glenn, he's Paul. This is, um, these are, these are lessons, these are, this is lesson time, right? Like, this is when it goes, <sighs> I prepared shtick for an, a non-captive audience, for, um, and that's fine, I can live with that, I'll, I, I've, I've made my bed for where I am at this point. I had plenty of prepared shtick coming in for this morning, I am quite upset about, don't get me wrong, I'm quite upset about the fact that the U.S. lost 
in the semifinals of the curling. I'm very upset about that. I'm very upset about the hockey result from last night as well. I'm very uh, upset about both of these things. I don't much care for either one of these things. But that being said, the Olympics, I don't really care all that much. It's more like it's what's happening. So I'm pretending or not pretending because that's not right. I, I do choose to care. I was up. You know, I was prepared for a long night of watching hockey just like the night before. I was prepared for uh, getting up this morning to watch the curling after a long night of watching hockey and sacrificing sleep once again. I was completely and utterly prepared for that, and it just it just didn't – none of it went my way. Like, it would have been really nice to get one of the two, right? Like, it would have been really nice if I was going to lose all the sleep to at least have something to be happy about today. Instead, there's this. We got a great show. We'll talk about that. But again, knowing there's not really a big sporting event coming up, this is sort of what I had to look forward to. The hell is the next time when I have my emotions up rooting for something? Hopefully, Towson. That's not true. Towson basketball plays UNC Wilmington tonight. That's a good one. I'll be excited about that. That's what I got, though. That's where we're at. They're gonna they're gonna meet again today and talk about baseball. So hopefully that turns into something. I hope so. I I, I hope. I don't have a lot of um, expectations or, or feelings about it whatsoever. <sighs> Just one of, those, one of those moments where it sort of all comes crushing in at once. Where it all comes crushing down upon you and you realize, eh, sports all kind of sucks right now. It all kind of just sucks in the moment because there's just not a whole lot to be looking forward to. But we'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> That's a hell of a sell. That's a hell of a sell for you to hang out with us for the next couple hours. Today's show is brought to you by the CIAA tournament, which gets underway on Tuesday at Royal Farms Arena here in Baltimore. CIAAtournament.org is how you get your tickets. That's CIAAtournament.org in order to get your tickets for the CIAA tournament. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to being a part of it. Looking forward to being down there. The event literally taking over the city. It ain't just a basketball tournament. There are plenty of other things that are going on throughout the event. Looking forward to the CIAA tournament again next week. And get your tickets, CIAAtournament.org. All right, so yeah, uh, I told you what all is coming up on the program today. And yes, I am still bitter about uh, the curling and the hockey from last night. Of course, if you listened to Simply the Bets yesterday, and you should be listening to Simply the Bets every week, you would know that Aaron Oster told you, look, bet on Canada. Bet on Canada in regulation. I know it's un-American. I know it's unpatriotic, but bet on Canada. And if you had, you would have made a few bucks. I did not. I bet, oh, boy, I got bit last night. I bet on, um, I tried to play a local trifecta. I bet UMBC, Loyola, and Navy. And two out of, two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf once said. Uh, Loyola did not keep up their end of the bargain. That has been a struggle. I've got Loyola on Sunday. I'll be doing that game. Um, they have really struggled of late. But So I, I made a little bit because I, I bet them all individually. I didn't trifect. I didn't uh, put it in a parlay. I bet them all individually. Then I turned around and said to myself, oh, I made a couple bucks. Maybe I'll try to turn that into a couple of more bucks. And so I looked at some of the late NBA games, and I didn't like the lines. But I just said, I want to have action on something. And the money line was way too heavy for me to put any money on the Suns because it was like plus a thousand or something like that for what ended up being a four-point game. And oh yeah, Chris Paul got hurt. That's a thrill. That feels really good too. Where's the sound of silence? I'll go right back to that. <sighs> Hello darkness, my old friend. Um, no, that's the disturbed version. That version sucked. God, that was awful. 
I don't know what that was. I have no clue why they decided to people do People loved it. I mean, people like bad things all the time, constantly. Yeah. There's a lot of people... I wasn't like a, a fan of it either. It was awful. I had no idea what the end, end concept was supposed to be. Um... I, I I swear I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some money on something. Let me look at these lines late. And I said, I'll throw a couple bucks on the Warriors, right? I get they're playing the Nuggets, but that kept the money pretty good for me. I was like, there's something to be made there. They had a huge lead late, only to on literally the final play of the game have uh, Jokic kick it out to Monte Morris, and Monte Morris hit a three at the buzzer for the Nuggets to win. Stupid disturbed song. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's even worse because it's disturbed. It makes it feel even more terrible. God. I used to oh. love disturbed. They kind of wussed out. I don't know about that. I don't know about no, no, they, they, they used to play like really heavy stuff that you could like lift to, and now oh, okay. it's, it, it's, it's all the, this it's a, it's like save for I, the memories. I certainly remember being in high school and yelling out, ooh, wah, a lot. I do remember a yeah, good bit of that. I, don't, I still I don't, love I, They were never good, though. Like, they were never a good band. They were just sort of like they had this niche that they were in where you were like. I enjoy, I've seen them six times. <sighs> Try to think of what's the worst band that I've seen multiple times that I'd have to admit, like, I like despite the fact that they're not very good. Probably Nickelback. I've never seen Nickelback. I don't think anybody so has. I, well, no, plenty of people have. I <laughs> promise you that. Oh, no, you know what? Uh, I definitely saw Creed twice. Twice. Twice I saw them because I was dating girls that were obsessed with them, like obsessed. I mean, like it was it was uncomfortable. Two different girls. I remember one was at Hershey Park and one was at Merriweather when we were young. And I saw Creed twice, twice. And I've oh, you know what? I also had to see. Forgot almost forgot entirely about losing a bet and having to see Smash Mouth a few years ago, which was just one of the most disturbing moments of my entire life. But we became friends briefly afterwards. It was a very strange story. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I lost that. I lost that one. That was. That was. Uh, that was happening as I was watching the Canada just skull drag the U.S. in hockey. So, <sighs> just a fun. Just a fun little evening. It's not good, Brian. Pal, don't lie. It. If you like Disturb, that's fine. I mean, it's fine. Like plenty of people like plenty of things. You like Disturb, like Disturb, but don't pretend like their version of the Sound of Silence was good. It was just different, and you were like, "Oh, this is interesting because of it." It's not good. It's just different. Um, that's 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 a whole different story for a whole other day. All right, uh, a couple of minutes here before we get to Keith Law. Keith Law is going to join us. We're going to talk about uh, the Orioles' prospects. He's got a new list of top prospects at the Athletic. Um, Paul Novilando uh, shared that video. Yes, I've seen the video of drunken Matt Stafford having his picture taken and then the girl literally falling off the stage. And apparently, I think the word is that she went on Twitter and said she fractured her spine, which is mm-hmm. just god-awful. Um, Paul says, I know it's probably not a hot topic, but do you think championship parades and celebrations are starting to get a little out of hand now with the alcoholic intake? Maybe it's been going on for years, and I've just noticed it recently with Brady, etc. Um... There's something to that. For sure, there's something to that. I'm not going to argue with that at all. Now, I get it. Like That's sort of become the point of these parades is that you never get to see these athletes so publicly and guardedly yet at the same time be drunk and be so silly, right? In the past, you would see them be drunk and you would be concerned because they would be out at a club, right? Or something like that. TMZ camera would catch up with them. But in this circumstance, there's like a pr- level of protection because they're doing it with the team. And so you would think that somebody related to the team would intervene should something get bad. 
it has gotten to the point where like it's become a competition who can get drunker than the last team that had a parade. And I get it. It's silly, and we all remember being drunk, and there's nothing wrong with being drunk if you're able to be responsible. And it's certainly not Matthew Stafford's fault that this girl fell off. I mean, this, this thing is awful. It's The setup is really bizarre, why there wasn't somebody there, why you wouldn't build like a rail or something like that. Like I... That's a whole different conversation for someone else. It's certainly not Matthew Stafford's fault. And his reaction, what everybody's killing him for, yeah, looks terrible. Where he's just like, oh, God, and walks away with, like, no concern whatsoever for this girl that's been... Of course, we've all been drunk before. And we all know that our brain is not fully functioning in those moments and firing on all synapses to know, like, hey, maybe go check on the girl that's, that, that just fell. We've all been in that situation. I don't think Matthew Stafford is evil. I think it's a horrible look. And I think it goes back to the nature of the concept, which is we want to watch all these guys get drunk. And when you watch all these guys get drunk, something like this is bound to happen. It's not always going to be silly and Tom Brady being, you know, hugging with his buddies because of avocado tequila. You're going to see some things. And they're going to have to decide that. I've thought for a long time the best thing you can do is start the parade early in the morning. Start your championship parade at like 9 a.m. Limit how drunk they can be before the parade begins. Let them wake up, go to the parade. They're going to get drunk during the parade. They get drunk during the parade. But have it all be over with and then let them go maybe privately party after that. Away from cameras, away from massive crowds, things along those lines. Like go back and have a private party afterwards. I've said that for, I think, a few years now. The best scenario you can have is to do these things earlier in the morning so that you limit the amount of risk that's involved when you have a lot of people who are very drunk doing, you know, silly things. Hopefully, you know, obviously fractured spine is awful, but, you know, it, it could be worse. You know, it could be a loss of life, and it wasn't the case at this, this Rams parade yesterday. I, it is... It's callous beyond what we see of Matthew Stafford. The ghouls that are sharing it, like just laughing about it, or thinking that it's some sort of content, like a human being fell and fractured their back. And the like the Barstool Sports guys like, I can't stop watching this. Like what and I get that guy is certainly not the guy that we're gonna hold up as like the paragon of humanity. But Jesus, man. This is awful. At some point, we learned that like we don't need to share terrible videos of athletes suffering god awful injuries over and over and over again because we realize like no, that we're ghoulish when we do that. And I I'm befuddled by the community that thinks that this is comedic content because of Matthew Stafford's reaction, instead of seeing how awful it is. Like, it's just terrible. But, you know, we've, of course, lost our way. We have no touch with humanity any longer, so we share it as though it's some sort of humorous content where we think that there's a joke about Matthew Stafford and we're making him, drunk Matthew Stafford, the butt of the joke instead of recognizing how awful it is to watch this young lady, again, apparently fracture her spine. What's wrong with us? Like, what, what, what has happened to us? I, and maybe it's just them, right? Like, maybe it's just 
you know, nobody else on the planet. And the problem is they're just, their audience is so large and their reach is so large that we, we think that that means there's a, a bigger group of people that do it. But man, I was, I couldn't believe that as I was watching that be shared around last night. I'm like, really? You're, you're sharing this? Like it's just silly content? Yuck. But yeah, I get it. In general, the parade's probably a bit too drunk these days. There's almost no doubt about that. Live Casino and Hotel, the FanDuel Sportsbook has 51 self-service kiosks for you to get your bets in. All of the big events, the best place to be is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, which is now open in Hanover, and you can be there for big events this weekend like the Daytona 500 and the NBA All-Star Game. Let's switch gears. Uh, our next guest has a new top prospects list up for the Baltimore Orioles at The Athletic. He, of course, an expert on these types of things. He is longtime baseball writer and analyst. Our friend Mr. Keith Law is back with us here on GCR. Keith, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Sure. Thanks for having me. I, I know it had to be a very difficult decision for you as to who the Orioles' number one prospect would be. I can only imagine the hours that you spent just hand-wringing and wondering who you would put at the top of this list. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially since he was already number one overall I know. on the list. Makes it really tough. Sort of boxing into a corner. <laughs> um, all right, Keith, I'm going to ask this question because I, I, I read your scouting of him, and I'm I'm – you know, I, I can't help it. I'm always going to be nervous to some extent as someone who admittedly is a fan of these teams. Um, I'm always going to be nervous that something that we say is can't miss actually can miss or maybe miss is the wrong word because, like, Matt Wieters didn't miss. Matt Wieters was a hell of a baseball player. It's just that we thought he was going to be, the, you know, the second coming of the Messiah, right? Um, how good truly is Adley Rutschman? Are we at the point where it would take – almost divine intervention for him not to be a superstar for the next decade in this sport. Well, he, he's a catcher, right? He could get hurt. Catchers just, they wear down, they develop back and leg, knee injuries. Lots of things can go wrong, certainly. And I have a lot of catchers towards the top of my prospect rankings this year. It's not just Adley Rutschman. It's Gabriel Moreno from the Blue Jays, Francisco Alvarez from the Mets, Diego Cartaya from the Dodgers. They, some, there's huge positional value in a guy who can really catch and also projects to do something at the plate, but I fully acknowledge that there's a lot of risk involved. And if something goes wrong with Rutschman, that's it. It's, that's the, by far the most likely thing that could derail him. Sure. Uh, is, is injury. It's not that he's really had much of anything so far. As far as I know, he's never had like a back or a lower half injury, but he's a catcher. It could just happen. You know, I, do, I don't worry about the bat. He's really disciplined. He has plenty of bat speed. He has power. And I don't really worry about the catching skills. Obviously, you guys know the story. He's been catching basically his whole life. And uh, his arm is fine. His glove is fine. People love the makeup and love working with him. I think realistically, if he stays healthy, we, we sort of set that aside. What's the, the lower bound for him? It's that he's an everyday player, and that's kind of it, right? right? The upper bound is he's an MVP type player. That this is Johnny Bench, Carl Fisk, somebody like that. But I, you know, there's always a chance that he just hits a little bit less than we think, and the power is a little bit less than we think. Maybe that plate discipline that looks so good, and eh, maybe it's just because he's really taking advantage of lesser pitchers, and when he gets to the majors, it won't hold up. I don't believe any of that's true. I'm just sort of giving you right. what's the what's the lower estimate, and then what? 
He's a two and a half to three war player for a bunch of years. Well, I mean, it's not what you wanted, but there are way worse outcomes. And I think you'd, you'd have to, he, I still think, how about this? I st- I would absolutely bet he'll be better than Matt Wieters. Not because I'm saying this guy's so much of a better prospect, because I thought Matt Wieters was going to be a star, just mm-hmm. like you guys did. Mm-hmm. But Rutschman's skill set is a little different, and I think a little more predictable. Like I feel more confident in some of the things Rutschman can already do carrying over to his major league career. Well, and I appreciate what you said in the piece, which is that even if he was a right fielder, his bat alone would still probably have him as a top 20 prospect, right? Like even mm-hmm. if he, even if the position didn't, and his defense ability, even if it was just sort of he was a, a middle-of-the-road player otherwise, the bat alone would make him a top 20 prospect. And you know, I, I, I think the danger here, Keith, we are we're we're looking at all this within the you know, the guise of a rebuild, right? And it and it feels like the math to the Orioles figuring this all out without Adley Rutschman clicking at the level of being a true transcendent superstar is is very difficult. That like th- there's there's pieces here and, and we'll talk about some of the other ones, but that if this is going to get to the full on rebuild, if you're going to become you know, maybe it's unfair to compare it to the Houston Astros, but clearly that's what they want to be. Sure, it's it's yeah. very difficult for that to happen without Adley Rutschman becoming truly star of stars. I agree one hundred percent with what you just said, and to extend the Astros comparison, which is perfectly fair because that's where this front office came from. Right. Uh, you know, the Astros had some wiggle room. You know, when Lunau and Elias and company all got there, and Sig as well, when they all got there. George Springer was already in the house. Right. There was no George Springer there when this group got to Baltimore. And then they had, you know, they really hit on the high picks. They happened to, they happened to pick one and well, first of all, they picked one, three years in a row. And then one year they didn't sign a guy and they picked two and they happened to be great years to have those high picks. They end up with Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman. Yep. Well, if one of those guys, turns into just okay, a just okay player, not a superstar, Astros are still really good. If Adley Rutschman doesn't turn into a superstar, I would not say all hope is lost, but I agree with you. It is much harder to figure out how this team becomes a contender, especially in a more difficult division, without Adley Rutschman becoming I, a star. It's exactly where I am. Like, and it's, it's, It feels like an awful lot of pressure to put on one person. It's not his, yeah, it you know, but I think that's the reality of the circumstances. I think it's particularly unique, and this is where I wanted to go next, because of, to me, I, the conversation has come up. I know your colleague Dan Connolly has written about it a lot, and he and I have talked about it ad nauseum. It, the conversation is almost lost about how, how there isn't a lot of, of top-line pitching prospects in this organization. That obviously, there's Grayson Rodriguez and you know, D.L. Hall's there, but then it's a, it's a wild drop-off from there. Like They are not loaded to do this pitching-wise. They have gone all in on bats at their early picks in the draft, and the pitching side of it just doesn't appear to be there right now for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I completely agree. And I have, you know, obviously Orioles fans have made it clear they don't think I'm uh, being sufficiently sunny. No, on I've, I, I've never, I've never heard that about about no? you. Oh, yeah, I've never sorry, heard I'm, that. Key. Sorry to even bring that up at this point. But I think, you know, I've pointed out. I think my, you know, the points I've made. I, I hope my argument is well supported by evidence. Right? He has not been pushed as hard, so to speak, as most pitching prospects in the minors. Grayson Rodriguez can usually walk to the mound and say, I'm not facing more than about 18 batters tonight, so I don't have to pace myself that much. And he's so strong, he could sit 98 for 75 pitches. Well, what happens when that's 100 to 110 pitches? Maybe he's exactly the same pitcher, in which case 
great, best possible outcome. Right. But he's going to have to, at some point, start to face hitters a third time, start to turn a lineup over three times. And then you're going to need to see, wait, you know what? He's probably going to pitch with a little less velocity. And so that makes him lean a little more on fastball command. I think the breaking stuff has to be better in that scenario. We just don't know. And he's not the only one. Hunter Green has been similarly you used carefully, but Hunter Green has an injury. And my criticism of the Orioles has been Grace Rodriguez healthy for has been healthy forever. I don't I unless he had some injury when he was in his early teens, I don't know about it. This guy is has He's the exemplar, right? He's exactly what you want. You take a big, strong high school kid, and then he doesn't get hurt. You won the lottery already. So I, I like Grayson Rodriguez, but as you said, he's it. Right? D.L. Right. Hall, who I actually liked quite a bit more before he got hurt, well, he missed half of last season, and we still don't know if he's 100%. And I just went through my top 20 again to make sure I wasn't forgetting somebody. Who's the next clear starting pitcher in this system? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. I I, I know the the next pitcher on your list is Kyle Bradish, but that, I mean that's what we're talking about, right? right? Like, and I'm not saying that Kyle Bradish can't. Once upon a time, who knew what John Means was going to become? You know, Absolutely. like th- there's yeah. always going to be somebody that we don't know is is capable of being a very high level pitcher that becomes one. But assuming it is certainly not something you can do. And and it, it I think it explains part of the reason why the Orioles decided they needed to move the fences back in left field because they just don't have the pitching coming and they're gonna if this if this is going to work they're gonna have to be able to sign a pitcher at some point which they couldn't do when they had such a short porch in left field. And so I, I honestly I think I don't I, I will disagree with you on one point. Okay. I think it doesn't matter where the fences are if you offer the most money someone's gonna come. Fair. Right? If they fair. went out and right. offered Robbie Ray money to one of the starters this offseason, they would have gotten it. Sure. Now, I'm not saying they should have, right? You know, so there's a bunch of reasons why maybe they wouldn't. But I agree with your general point that they have made a decision in the draft, especially, that they're going all in on bats. Leaning college, but they've taken some risks on some high school bats. Kobe Mayo looks very interesting so far. I'm kind of optimistic about that one. There's some there, there are hitters coming. I do not worry about this group's ability to put together a competitive, uh, contending championship caliber lineup and i do think they probably have all those pieces in the system right now with the with you know considering what we talked about with the rutschman i don't know how you put together a championship caliber rotation from what's in the system and so then you're either signing those guys or you're trading for them and I, we don't know yet we just have not seen this organization get to a point where they said we're going to package together some of this incredible position player depth that we have to try to go get some pitching I, that's that's the reality. I mean, that's I a hundred percent. We are in lockstep when it comes to that. Keith Law is with us from the Athletic. We'll link up his uh, top twenty Orioles prospects on our Twitter account at Glenn Clark Radio. If you don't have a subscription to the Athletic, you're an insane person. Um, <laughs> Keith, the obviously, I think the the you know, sort of the, the great unknown is the Heston Kerstad thing, of course. Which you know there was some question even when they drafted him about where they drafted him. Is obviously they went under slot and. You know, we, we have no idea what to expect him, and I and I, you know, I, I appreciated the fact that you sort of acknowledged that when you addressed him. If if Heston Kerstad comes out, and you know, we know there's going to be a minor league season, and and he's hitting the way we expect him to hit. If within a couple of months we see that bat come back, where would he be on the Orioles list, on your overall list? If you had three months of Heston Kerstad looking like the player we expected him to be before the myocarditis, probably about where I put him coming out of the draft, which was towards the back of the top 100. Okay, um, this is not Colton Kowser. Well, Colton Kowser can really hit, and Colton Kowser did get the benefit. He went out right away and he hit. 
Um, and so, and he's, you know, we have more evidence now. We have much better data on Kowser, especially going out, doing it in a full season league with that across the board. I feel very good about, about Kowser's status. Whereas Kirstad, for folks who don't remember, there was a big question at the time how good the hit tool was. He was very much uh, a draft. First of all, he was a draft pick to try to save some money so they could go get Kobe Mayo and Carter Baumler in the fourth and fifth rounds with the savings. He was also very much an exit velocity draft. He does hit the ball extremely hard, but he strikes out a lot. He struck out a lot of college. He was close to 30% in the SEC in his last season, or his last full season, I should say, in college. And so if, you know, just going off what you said, if he hits like what we expect, that's probably what you're going to see. Say that yeah. he spends a good chunk of the season at double A. He's going to hit the ball really hard. We're going to have great exit velocity. There will be power. I would not be surprised at all if he struck out 30% of the time in pro ball, especially because it's a transition to a wood bat and the poor kids missed basically two years. Even if he is physically 100%, and I really hope he is, he's just not faced live pitching in so long at this point. It's got to probably by the time he gets on into an actual game, it'll be about 24 months since he's played in a real game, maybe even a touch more. That's a long time to go without facing real pitching in games that matter. And, and I feel for him. I'm not criticizing him. I'm saying this sucks for him. But we've got to be realistic. He's going to be rusty. And it may take a long time to shake that off. Uh, you mentioned Kobe Mayo. Is there anybody else in the system that, that Keith, you, are, you feel like you're higher on than other people necessarily are? I didn't think I was higher on Joey Ortiz, but just going off of what Orioles fans have come back to me with since this list went up earlier this week, several yeah. people on Twitter and in the comments have said, wow, you like Joey Ortiz more than I realized. I, I also thought maybe they were just remembering I, I did not like Ortiz at all. I saw him uh, first summer out when Aberdeen was still short season, RIP to the yep. New York Penn League. Yep. And I was like, this guy's he's not good. It's weak contact. And he was just okay at shortstop. But I was like, it doesn't matter. This bat is not going to play in pro ball. He looked very much like, you know, obviously he went to a school uh, in New Mexico, right? Huge hitters park, great environment for hitters. Then he comes out pro ball, moves to wood, not playing at altitude. Well, there's, there's nothing there. To Ortiz's great credit, he changed his swing with the help from Orioles player development. He got a lot stronger. And he, I saw him, the, I think, the first game of the season, actually, or certainly the first series of the minor league season last year, and was even sitting with somebody from the Orioles front office who said to me, oh, yeah, this is, he is a duck. I said, did he change his swing? He looks completely different. And they said, yeah, he is a different guy. Sure enough, I, I, think, it, I think it's absolutely, I think it's real. I think it's sustainable. I actually said at the end of the prospect, rank, at the end of the Orioles rankings, I'm not going to predict he makes the top 100 next year because if he hits like that, he should be their shortstop by the middle of the season. He should actually graduate wow. from the list because I think he's wow. that ready. And and who's blocking, right? They right. Have oh yeah, they the have nothing. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yep. Right. Oh, it's it is it is the area where there's the most opportunity. There is no question mm -hmm. about that whatsoever. Keith, have, have you started like thinking about the the draft for for this this summer? Obviously, it's relevant uh, uh, here in Baltimore. Is yeah, we're we're assuming the Orioles are going to have the number one pick, of course. Right. No, I think yeah. I would actually knowing very little about what's really being discussed in the CBA. My guess is if there are significant changes to the draft. They'll put it in for next year. That's what I would, I would think. You so. really shouldn't be changing. That wouldn't be fair to anybody. Right. I think. And to answer your question, yes, I'm going down to Georgia on Monday, at the very least to see Drew Jones. Okay. Depending on weather and schedule, if I can get Tamar Johnson on the same trip, I will. Otherwise, I'll just go back. Obviously, these are two of the top 
five players in the draft. They must be in the Orioles' decision set. It will be very interesting to see, though. This is not a good crop of college position players, and that's who the Orioles yep. want to take when they pick in the single digits. Yep. Other than maybe Brock Jones at Stanford, who I don't know if he's really their preferred type of college position player. He's more of the tool of the athlete, a little less of the you know, high-performance, great-batted ball data. Not that he doesn't have that, but he's a little bit of a different profile. Do they just say, you know what, we're just going to – if this is a high school hitter year – we're going to take the best high school hitter that we see out there, or do they try to get creative again with the money? Is, 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 can Brooks Lee one. be in the conversation at all there? Brooks Lee, I think that's a stretch. Okay. I don't think so, and I actually know exactly what weekend I'm trying to go see him because they don't match up against a lot of good opposition, but he's, they've got one series where they might he might see some good pitching. Okay. I think he's more of a... 10 to 20 okay. type pick. Okay. And maybe he gets pushed up because he's a college guy, right? right. Like there's always a flight to the safety of the college player in the first round. I don't think he's 1-1. Okay. I can understand. Look, I think you need to get a transcendent talent when you have a 1-1. I completely understand I that. Like, you have to yep. get somebody, an Adley Rutschman type. And if that requires you to go to high – the weird part, again, is the timeline, right? Like, drafting a mm-hmm. high school bat right now does not seem to fit with the timeline of Adley Rutschman coming to the major leagues this season, right? Like, that's right. that's the awkward part about all of this conversation. But at the same time, I, I don't think that can lead you to just taking a player for the sake of it. You have to get the transcendent talent that's available. I mean, so. could you get – you know, one name we didn't mention is Cam Collier, whose dad, Lou Collier, was briefly a sort of major league bench player mm-hmm. in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Cam is in a junior college, and he's 17. Now, obviously, we know that this group, when they took Carlos Correa, he was 17, and that was a major reason that they, they leaned towards him. But if Collier is the player we think he is, he might be the guy who's in the big leagues at 20. Uh, and he could be, and I think he's a little bit more advanced as a hitter than like Drew Jones uh, or Elijah Green, who's at the IMG Academy in Bradenton. I, I have no particular reason to say that the Orioles would take Collier, but I could see them giving him some extra points in the model for his youth and for this idea that he's a good enough hitter that he could move more quickly than your typical high school okay. player. He and Tamar Johnson are the two guys who might just hit their way to the big leagues before they turn 21. Okay, that's interesting. All right, Keith Law, at Keith Law on Twitter. Of course, The Athletic for all of the rankings. What else can I plug for you? The inside game, anything? What, what can I get a plug in for? You've been really good to take the time for us this morning. Uh, sure, sure. The inside game, my second book, Smart Baseball, is my first book. They are both out in paperback now. Uh, Smart Baseball, more just about baseball stats. The inside game, trying to I t- try to tell some interesting, weird, funny baseball decision stories through the lens of behavioral economics and cognitive psychology, both out in paperback. I recommend folks, if you have an independent bookstore near you, they could really use your business. The pandemic's been very hard on places like mm. that. And if you don't have one, uh, I love bookshop.org, which also tries to support independent bookstores through every sale. Excellent. Keith Law, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, sir. Thanks so much. We'll talk again down the road. All right. My pleasure. Keith Law from The Athletic checking in with us here on GCR. And and echoing a lot of things that we've been talking about for the last couple of years, frankly, in relation to where the Orioles find themselves and why I was not as offended as some people were about moving the fences back. I still haven't gotten over the left center field thing, and you're not going to get me to get over the left center field thing. It's an eyesore. It's, it's an abomination. I mean, it just looks awful. But the understanding of the need to move the, the fences back, and the key point is we, we, have, we have talked about this, yes. There is always an amount of money that you can pay in order to get pitchers to come somewhere. But you were in the position where you're going to have to overpay them to get them to come to Baltimore. And that 
just doing that for funsies, not necessarily something that makes a whole lot of sense. Trying to get it a bit more in line with the rest of Major League Baseball so that you can be competitive in attempting to sign a pitcher makes way more sense to me. But it ain't there, is, is the point. The point is, it ain't there. You can't solve this internally. You can get there. This, this, this quote really struck me. You can, there's a championship-caliber lineup within this system. There ain't a championship-caliber rotation. We agree. We agree. And again, I still think that once once some of the pieces get there, you're gonna start you're gonna need to get some outside pieces, you know, as as well at certain positions on the field. Like I mean, it's just the idea that you're gonna have all nine of them pan out and, and work out perfectly, that that seems like a stretch. But you're close enough that if you got seven or eight of them, you just need a a Seth Smith type to finish it out. It's the sense that I get about that. Um, but thank you to Keith for taking the time for us. Today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. Football season is over, but you can play basketball, you can play hockey. Hopefully at some point you'll be able to play baseball games on Underdog Fantasy Football. That would be pleasant if that were the case. Hopefully they, these talks turn into something. Um, and when you make your first deposit at Underdog Fantasy Football, up to $100, if you use the code PRESSBOX, we're going to match it with free money for you to play with. In underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app in order to play Underdog Fantasy Football. When we come back in, we're going to chat. Uh, you know, I was talking yesterday during Simply the Bets. Daytona 500 is on Sunday. We'd like to have an annual catch up with uh, our, our next guest, it's John Klossmeyer. He's the crew chief for Chase Briscoe, and he's our own. He's from Perry Hall. We'll chat with him next. Glenn Clark Radio. After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. AA-tournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Wednesday morning at 11.30. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even to offer a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash press box online. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. 
It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Bat Around. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. Coming up on Sunday, the Daytona 500, and that means we've done this, I feel like, every year for I don't, I don't even know how long at this point. Uh, because this is one of my favorite people, of course, the Pride of Perry Hall, Calvert Hall alum, UMBC alum, and the crew chief for Chase Briscoe. He is our buddy Johnny Klossmeyer, and he's back with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up again, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. No problem. Thank you all for having me. It's always great to chat with you. Before I get to Daytona and, and Chase and everything, what I, I know it, it didn't go your way out there. But what was it like being a part of that thing out at the Coliseum? That was so unbelievably cool to look at. Oh, yeah, it was wild. So, yeah, for those that don't know, we raced inside the L.A. Coliseum for the first time. So they basically made the track in a three-week period, set everything up. We raced, and they've actually already torn it down. I think they're having rugby tournaments (laughs) there now. So it's pretty impressive feat just from an infrastructure standpoint, logistics and everything to do that. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome. So we went out there, and it was kind of like a – a short track style racing where you had some heat races and then you had to advance uh, out of your heat race into the main event. And we were able to do that with Chase and the, um, it was a good showing for the heat race. And then we had some mechanical issues in the actual Coliseum. Um, in that race, you run 700 horsepower and it's just pretty much just from a dead stop in the middle of the corner, launching up off the corner. And with that, it, it strains the drivetrain and kind of the the story of this season is we're going into a new race car so this okay. is a, it's a, called the next gen car yep. so um it's probably the most change in a race car that the, the industry has seen um since nascar started so it's uh you know you're going to have these little bugs and the the parts are it's the same for everyone and and we were one of two cars that had issues so um it was unfortunate but um it was a really cool experience to go out there and, and pull that off and and we were running well when it happened um, but you know, as an industry, we're going to learn about it, adjust, and 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 move forward. So I want to I want I want to um, yeah. talk about the car, and I want to talk about Chase and you guys. But before, just sure. to just to finish that thought, is that the type yeah. of thing that like you know you, you saw? They were just the average fans. The, the ratings were incredible for this thing because it just it looked so cool. Is it something that you yeah. feel like you could do in more stadiums? That this is the type of thing that like NASCAR could continue to do to try to get more casual fans into the start of the season in the coming years? For sure. Uh, you know, obviously, um, logistically, they made the racetrack, they made it all happen in a short period of time, and it, it went it went off without a hitch, which was awesome just to show what everyone can do. And it does. It opens up the possibility of doing this in other stadiums, uh, street courses, or international, and other, you know, some of the soccer arenas in, in Ooh, Europe that's been yeah. talked about. So yeah. there's a lot of possibilities that that opens up. And the cool thing about the whole thing was that they had – uh, Pitbull opened with a concert. They had ice the race, cube? and then at halftime they had ice cube. That playing. was wild, so like man! Kind of, right, so you mix, you kind of mix concert racing and everything, and like 
you know, we don't have a traditional pit road where we would be on our pit stands, you know, and, and have pit stops just because everything was so small. So they actually had the cruise up in the peristyle, they call it, right underneath the torch of the Coliseum. So that's where I watched and called the race from. And just the energy inside the Coliseum was super impressive. So it was it was neat just to see everyone getting into it. And like you that's said, cool. casual fan, but I think, you know, it, it turned a lot of heads and opened a lot of eyes on our sport. That's really cool. All right, let's talk about the car, the, the next-gen car. When, when we say it's it's drastically different, um, again, assume, yeah. John, I'm stupid because, you know, <laughs> it, it fits. What is so drastically different about the car, and how will it impact what we see Sunday at Daytona? So they basically have taken – our cars in the past have been kind of uh, – technology from the 70s, 80s, and 90s merged into one, and now it's literally technology from the, the 20th century, 2010, 2020. So we have an independent rear suspension, which it, it doesn't sound um, that different, but it's way different uh, from what we've had before, where we had a solid axle in the rear. And then the tires are two inches wider. They have 18-inch uh, alloy wheels. They used to be 15-inch, so um, low-profile tires. Um, they, much, they look way closer to what a street car production car they buy uh, in the showroom. Uh, and then as far as the drivetrain, we're 700 horsepower. We have a transaxle for, and sequential shifting um, for a gearbox. So they can basically slap the, slap the shifter, no clutch or anything, for five speeds. So um, a lot of performance upgrades uh, with wider tires and more horsepower. Will it change the likelihood of us seeing, like, I think what people associate Daytona with, of course, you know, the big one is always the one that we use. Is it going to change super speedway racing at all? And what we all know is the likelihood for some sort of crazy scene with a, a wild crash at some point during the course of this race. Uh, you're definitely going to still see a wild crash. Okay. I can guarantee that. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's, that doesn't really change the complexion of the race at all. Um, yep. We have uh, the cars are still running in packs because at Daytona it's so big, they're pretty much wide up and throttle all the way around the track, so the cars are going to be packed up. So if someone makes a mistake, you pretty much get caught up in it. So you're still going to kind of see that aspect of it. Um, but at the same time, the cars, they, they're much lower. They look cooler. They're, I mean, it's, it's uh, maybe more representative of what you drive now on the, on the street. He is John Klausmeyer. He is the crew chief for Chase Briscoe. He's getting ready for the Daytona 500 coming up this Sunday. Of course, the, uh, the duels tonight as well down at Daytona. Um, uh, John, okay, so your first season with Chase last year, uh, what did you learn about him as a driver, as a team, and how much more confident are you going into year two because of having a year under your belts together and sort of figuring each other out? Yeah, I think the biggest thing we learned is obviously, you know, Chase is a talented driver. We had some bright spots. We had some top 10 finishes. We led some laps. And, you know, being a rookie last year was tough with the COVID protocols and everything. We didn't, we showed up to the track and you didn't get any practice. So you were just pretty much thrown to the wolves. You would start the race. You didn't get to qualify in order or anything like that. So, you know, it was pretty much just, go right from the yeah. right from the start and uh but, you know that's tough for a rookie you're racing against guys that have been doing this 20 25 years so um it was a learning curve for sure but you know what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right so we found some areas that we need to work on and um this car the new car is going to be a reset for everyone for this year and i feel like it's going to help us because it'll level the playing field for you know us relative to the competition so with having a rookie driver but as far as a team, you know, we've been, the crew guys and everything, we've been together for a long time. Chase is new to, to our, um, you know, our team, but he uh, he definitely has the talent and, and he's got the grit to, to figure it out. And, you know, we went to, we've been testing a lot in the off season. We've had really good tests. We went to the Coliseum and we were running, you know, fourth when we had our issue. So 
I'm really looking forward to carrying that momentum, you know, into this year. I think you get a year under your belt, you kind of know the competition level and what to expect. And, uh, you know, you have to adjust and, and, and figure out your weaknesses. And I feel like we've addressed that well in our offseason. Do you go into a week like this, like, truly believe it? Again, on paper, right? You guys haven't won yet. Um, no. Do, do, you, do you go into a week like this truly believing that you're capable of winning a race like the Daytona 500? Or do you set your – do your goals have to be more practical? Like, hey, we just want to run well and keep the momentum building to a point like we feel like we're capable of breaking through. Yeah, day ten is a unique. It's a unique race. I, I won it uh, two years ago with Kurt Busch, and it, yep. it's it's very unique. It's uh, you know, you have to be there at the end. You have to survive that big one. The, it's it's a lot of it's a survival race more than it is just staying up front the whole time because that's essentially impossible to do because there's going to be people coming and going to the lead. So you have to survive. So with that, I mean, you saw last year, you saw first-time winner Michael McDowell win it. So I definitely think it's capable. Um, you ne- really never know what's going to happen here. It's a big unknown. Um, there's a lot of you know very popular drivers like Kyle Busch that hasn't won it in 16 years. Right. So um, it's, there, there are a lot of unknowns that go to this race. Um, so I, I'm 100% confident that we have a shot to win if you can put yourself in position at the end. Does it matter as much like you bring up winning a couple years ago with Kurt and like you know Stuart Haas has had a, a good run at Daytona over the years? Is that yeah. as important as anything? I, I I'm constantly told, I'm, John, I've dipped my toes into betting uh, these races, right? Like, and I'm constantly told <laughs> that at Daytona, team is as important as anything else, right? Like, in in, in different speedways, is that true? That just like being part of a strong team is going to benefit you on Sunday more than maybe it would at other racetracks. It is for sure, because as I said, the, the cars are wide open throttle, they're packed up, so you work with your teammates a lot. So our pitch strategy and everything, will not you can't just do it yourself. You have to have other cars to go fast to get the draft. So you can't just be out there individually on your own program and everything and expect to win the race. You have to work together as a team. So having a good team, good, strong cars, the faster cars that you work with, the faster your car will be and the better you'll do. So, yeah, it, it, it does come down to having a good team, having, uh, you know, that support and everyone working together. So you see a lot of the OEMs working together. So the Chevrolets work together, the Fords work together, the Toyotas work together. But then under those umbrellas, having the strong teams and the fast cars to work with you will help your chances of winning. All right, let's, let's, let's do it this way. We'll win. Chase will win the race on Sunday if blank. If, if what, John? Chase will win the race on Sunday if, we can be there to win and stay out of the wreck. Yeah. And I feel like if you, you just have to, you have to have a good partner and make good decisions. So, um, like I said, we, the car that we won with, with Kurt was torn to pieces. It, it had, uh, duct tape, bare bond, all kinds <laughs> of panels bolted on it, but we survived and we made it at the end. And it actually came down to a fuel mileage race. And, uh, but you know, you just have to roll with the punches and be ready for anything. Be nimble. Be able to react, and uh, that'll put you in victory lane. John, I'm just imagining you trying to explain this sport to an alien when you say that, right? Like we won, we won the biggest, uh, the biggest <laughs> event of the year, and we did it with duct tape, right? Like somebody from another planet's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like it's yeah, it's comical. The the car is sitting like because. So after he celebrated and, and did his burnout and everything, he ran down to the grass, and there was this big chunk of sod that just laid on the hood. Well, they preserved that, and they actually have it in our showroom with the confetti of the sod, because that's actually how he came into victory lane with you know the car overheating, spraying water out. Uh, it's got tape all over it. It's got the sod on it, but now it's got champagne and confetti yeah, on it right. sitting in our, in our uh, mezzanine. It was the greatest operation. day of your life, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, yeah, it was awesome. That is awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, John, uh, how's everything else going in, in your world, bro? How's uh, how's life? I mean, like, I know this is this is this time of year where this is all you get to think about, and like, you know, you you, you wave goodbye to your family. Hey, I'll see you when I see you. Like, I understand how that all goes. Everything else good? Yeah, it's all good. So today's actually my wife's fortieth birthday. Oh, so um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm batting a thousand this week though, because you know, come to Daytona, you miss Valentine's Day. Sunday, so oh, I miss God. Valentine's Day and her birthday. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, the family they're going to fly down the team plane um, tomorrow morning, so they'll be able to spend the weekend and spend the race with us. So that's I kind of have my RV down here, and we're just kind of hanging out and enjoying some Florida sunshine and some racing. That's awesome, man. Uh, of course, uh, John is on Twitter at uh, John K L A X. Uh, what about on Instagram, John? Are you on there? The people can follow you yeah it's at john klax1 very good uh john yeah i'll tell you the same thing i tell you every year i'm 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 rooting for you right like i this you are my connection to daytona 500 so go go win it again go win it and we'll be super happy I appreciate that, and if we win, we're going to be doing a post race. Uh, oh, for sure, a, a call as well. You know so. that's going to happen, sure. brother. You know that's the case, Johnny. Uh, enjoy it, man. Thank you for taking the time for us as always, and hopefully, we'll be talking to you come Monday. All right. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. John Klausmeyer, um, the crew chief for Chase Briscoe, great dude. And um, later today, you'll find out uh, who I'm spending a little cash on on uh, live casino and hotels. Um, Social media channels. We've got a video coming out, and I'm I'm legitimately putting some cash on the Daytona 500, which is not something I have ever done before. But what the hell, it's a big race. Getting involved, it gives me some rooting. I mean, do I have a rooting interest for Chase because I do love John Klausmeyer, and I've known his family for a long time. Of course, the Klausmeyers have been very prominent in uh, Baltimore County for a very long time, and. Um, I'm very excited for him, and hopefully that this will be their breakthrough as they'll get their first win with Chase Briscoe this weekend. All right. Um, let's go ahead and grab a break here. We'll come back in. We'll chat with Paul Cantabene. We'll preview Stevenson lacrosse season, which gets underway on Saturday night. Still to come today, Super Bowl champion Jake Funk, the pride of Damascus and also the University of Maryland. We will chat with him about what it's like to win a Super Bowl as a rookie. Hour number one of today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR into hour number two of today's program. Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley caught up with former Oriole Dave Johnson a little bit earlier on the week. I believe tonight they are chatting with Thomas Kelso from the Maryland Stadium Authority. Well, not uh, Stan and uh, Ross will be Stan and Gary Stein. Those shows, as always, available Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or PressBoxOnline.com slash video, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline as well. The ways to find the Stand the Fan Variety Hour. Sometimes even more than twice a week, but typically twice a week. Uh, Stan has new and fresh shows for you available. From Daryl. Daryl says, Glenn, you've talked a lot about the idea of the word angry in terms of baseball. I have, Daryl. I've used the word anger. Um, my question at this point is, even if the season were to be altogether canceled, would you still be angry you seem to think that this is in relation to the fact that the Orioles are not any good. So if there wasn't a season at all, why would you be angry? I'm making the point in which to say losing baseball at all should make you angry. It shouldn't matter how good the team is. Okay? I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, would I be angry that there would be no season at all? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I sort of said that. Like, I still like watching the playoffs. I still like the idea of there not being a season at all, which I, I can't fathom. I'm not even willing to consider that at this point. Um, yes, of course that would make me angry. And I'm not trying to tell you that, like, I hate baseball because the Orioles are likely to stink. I've never said that. I said I'm less in tune it has less direct impact on me, and so it does. It makes it more difficult for something to make me angry. And I know that there are people that are very romantic about just the concept of baseball. Our buddy um, Eric Arditi was like tweeting out this morning, like, I, I miss seeing the videos of, of catcher's mitts popping and just hearing the sound. And like, I, I, if you love baseball, I don't, I don't belittle that. It's, I'm, I'm sort of past that stage of my life with much of anything. I like football a lot. I hate preseason football. I despise it. I, I'm just not interested 
in watching things that aren't legitimate competitions. So th- I'm the wrong person to talk to about this. For what it's worth, I love being at spring training. When I lived in Arizona, I would legitimately schedule my week around maximizing how many games I could attend. This is not a not a joke at all. I had a uh, the job that I had when I worked in Arizona. I was doing weekends for Sporting News Radio, and so my station in Phoenix allowed me to take one day off a week during the year. They were like, you know, you we don't want you to work seven days because they were partners with Sporting News. We don't want you to have to work all seven days, so you can have one weekday off per week. And I would during the month of March purposely scheduled to be Friday because that was when there were night games being played in spring training in Arizona. So I could go out to like a Giants game in the afternoon and a Brewers game at night. Because in my heart, I love baseball. I I did enjoy, I've always enjoyed going down to Sarasota when I've gone down. The, the Amish food place, Abner's, is that what it's called? I love that place. It's been a few years. I haven't gone down for a while. Um, but I love going down to Sarasota. It's great. But I'm the wrong person. Like, I'm just not the guy that's going to be watching spring training baseball. I get it. That, you know, insert joke here because the Orioles games are never on TV anyway. Um, I'm not going to listen to spring training baseball, even when the team is good. I'm the wrong guy. I'm, I'm, I'm over spending time with things that aren't legitimate competition in, in this stage of my life. I just, it's not something I'm, I'm going to do. And you can insert your joke here about watching professional wrestling. It's a different concept. It's like watching Jersey Shore. I'm not that guy. I don't begrudge anyone who really loves it. And it's it's in your DNA. It's in your blood to be that person. I don't begrudge you that at all. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not for me. I'd rather watch college lacrosse. I'd rather watch college basketball. I'd rather watch curling even when my heart gets broken. That's it. That's the only difference. But, I mean, I just don't... Talking about them losing an entire season, I have no idea where that's coming from. Could we get to that point? Of course we could. But I'd be stunned. Stunned if that was to be the case. All right. Uh, this man's season gets underway on Saturday night when his team hosts Ursinus at Mustang Stadium, or as he likes to call it, Mustang Beach. And he got the news this week uh, from the PLL that he is going into the inaugural class of the Pro Lacrosse Hall of Fame, which makes sense, you know, considering. He's the greatest face-off specialist ever played. He is our friend, Stevenson lacrosse coach, Paul Cantabene, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, Coach? How are you? Doing well, Bo. How are you doing, Glenn? Everything, How's everything? Everything is good, man. How long did it take you to get over the, the final 13 seconds of the playoff game? How long? Uh, still, not, still not over it. <laughs> You're still not no, over still it. Still not. I told you, I was with your guys, man. I was riding with them. So I, I hurt, probably not the way that you hurt, but I was uh, hurt by it, know. too. Uh, you, gotta, uh, you can't lose that game. You just can't, you know. So, oof. what do I know? I'm just. Uh, what do I know? I'm just a fan, you know. So, hope. well, I mean, I think you got a, a good reason to believe that your team's going to be in it for the next few years. You got a pretty decent quarterback. I hear he's okay. I he's hear he's, he's a little above average. We'll take him. We're going to keep him. Slightly above average. Um, hey, I totally no-sold it on Twitter the other day because legitimately, I can't fathom there being a pro lacrosse Hall of Fame without you being a part of it. But. I can only. I would imagine, even if you know it's coming, it's still got to feel good to get that type of recognition. Uh, no question about it. You know, it's just a, it's, it's a tremendous honor. You know, twenty years of a uh, pro lacrosse and to be inducted in their first um, Hall of Fame is is tremendous. You know, so very blessed, and you know, a lot of people helped me along the way, and and to be with that class and those guys. I mean, those are 
you know, legends, you know, right there. So um, just really uh, very humbled and honored by the experience, by, by the distinctive honor that they've given me. And uh, just very, uh, just can't wait to, for the ceremony and everything. And uh, um, it's just a great, just a great thing. Very honored by it. So where exactly are you going to put your uh, stalwart play-by-play guy in your, your speech? Is he, am I going to get like second paragraph or like where? where the fourth or fifth I was planning on right now. It's the fourth paragraph, I think. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm no not. Problem. I, I assure I you. Yeah, you. I'm not. I'm not actually expecting. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> um, uh, Coach, obviously a, a different world for you guys. We learned that uh, last season, of course, in in conference with some uh, new competition, and uh, this is uncharted territory. You guys aren't picked to win the conference this year, and you never experienced that before. What did it do for you, your team? to go through something like that last year, getting punched in the mouth the way you did in the championship game against York, and how much hunger do you feel like your guys have because of it to retake the the conference crown? I mean, we love competition. You know, first of all, we love York's in the conference, and we love that. I and mean, Eastern's very good as well. And You know, we think that makes our conference better. Strong conference makes for better quality of schedule. And uh, so we think that's really good. We love that York's in it, you know. You know, we beat them in the first game. I thought we played really tough in the first game and beat them. In the second game, we didn't. You know, they punched us in the face, and we didn't uh, react well at all. And so, um, you know, that's on me. I got to get our team more prepared. But I think our guys are um, very motivated for the season. You know, I think we're a much tougher team this year, and uh, we're ready to go. We got some really good key parts back uh, from injury or, you know, a good senior coming back to really help us. And I think our freshman class is good. And so, you know, we're excited about it. I think they're really hungry. They know they have to how to play, and I think our two scrimmages have been excellent to help us get prepared for a really tough assignment team come Saturday night. All right, so in getting ready, we're chatting with Paul Cantabana, the head coach at Stevenson, and getting ready for our broadcast on Saturday night. What jumps out at me, you referenced the fret. There are a lot of new faces on this team. Um, this is <laughs> yeah. this about as many as I can remember there being new faces. How much of an impact are you expecting from the, this group, I, I would assume at this point, when you have this many of them, there's there's going to have to be some sort of impact from this group. Uh, well, there's no question. You know, they're, they're going to definitely uh, impact us. You know, we have a few transfers that are going to help us right away. Mitch Latchman transferred from Bryant. You know, he's a freshman eligibility wise for us, and uh, you know, a big six foot five guy that can really shoot the ball. He sees the field well. He's going to help us a ton. Uh, you know, get. Um, we have an excellent freshman class. You're going to see some freshman midfielders play for us right off the bat. Jack Scalati and Lucas Ingley and um, and, and uh, Grant Zick are all big, strong, athletic midfielders or old-school midfielders that can play both ends of the field. So we're really excited to get them out there. And we have some other guys that are going to help us as well, you know, get, especially getting – um, Nolan Inigas healthy. He blew out his knee last year. A face-off guy. We think he's one of the best okay. kids in the country. A uh, big, strong kid. And then to back him up, Dan Fisher, a transfer from Villanova. You know, a face-off guy too. So we think we got two really strong guys there. Uh, I didn't think we were a weak facing off last year, but it wasn't one of our strengths either. So I think this year it's going to be one of our strengths. And being solid up the middle is really going to help us. Having those two guys, uh, having Mark House back in the cage helping us yep. uh, do that and having majority of our defense back. We know we're going to have to rely on our defense to be great, but our new guys are going to help us, and they're going to help us right away. And uh, so we're excited to see them play. They've learned a lot so far, and I think that they're going to be really good players for us for a long time. Your top goal scorers from a year ago are gone. Where where do the goals come from? Who's, whose sort of responsibility is that going to be going into the season? Oh, well, you know, we got, you know, even though we lost, you know, um, you know, Connor Nelson who graduated and moved on to life and Jacob Tatum, you know, he's already engaged and working on his wedding. Wow. <laughs> you know, we lost him and, you know, Dylan's not back this year. We hope to have him back next year. 
Uh, but, you know, you're going to see a lot out of, you know, I think Cam Lydig, you're going to see a lot out of Ryan Coleman. You know, Cam Lydig is a preseason All-American. Cam, um, Ryan Coleman's, a, you know, second preseason, third-team All-American. You're going to see a lot out of him. Uh, you're going to see a lot out of um, Josh Brandon, who's going to play attack in midfielder for us. Uh, you're going to see a lot out of Shane Ford, I think, who's going to play uh, attack for us and really help us there. And he's such a tough kid. And you see in, you know, Mitch Lashman, a transfer, he's going to, you know, score a lot of goals. And I think we're going to get, we're going to be a team that gets a lot of goals out of a lot of people. I think we're not going to rely on one person to get us 60 goals. You know, we're going to get, sure. hopefully have six, you know, 20 to 30 goal scorers in, in that way. And I think we have a lot of guys that can hurt you in a lot of different ways, but for us, you know, we got to do a great job clearing the ball. We got to win face off. Um, you know, give our defensive breaks for them to be great all the time. And we have to shoot the ball 35 to 40%. If we can do those things, you know, I think we're going to be pretty successful. You referenced Mark Pouse uh, a second ago. I was actually just chatting with him a couple weeks ago, not even realizing that he had ended up coming back, which is which is great news, of course. Um, and, I, and I know you, you helped him out and getting some things taken care of in order for that to go. His story, I, he's one of my favorite people. And, and you and I have talked kind of emotionally about Mark and everything he and his family have been through. But to have him back for another season, as you got a lot of other, you know, a transition at a lot of other places, how much confidence does that give you to know that you can trust the guy that's in the cage? Well, you know, when you, you got one of the best at that position in the country, you know, you, you have a chance. And, you know, Mark's leadership skills are off the charts. You know, I think everybody respects him and how hard he works. And, uh, you know, he just gives us a guy back there that we can trust. You know, we think we are other goalies and Justin Sarkeese and, you know, Logan, uh, Logan, um, uh, what's Logan's last? Logan, <laughs> Logan Moore, sorry. Logan Moore and Paul DeFleury, back of goalies are great. But Mark's the next level goal, you know, for us. And uh, we think he's really going to be there. It also helps Matt Wilson and Ryan Quinn yep. and Maul Levy and, you know, Eddie Masterson and, and uh, Matt Shell, all our all our D guys really just trust him so much, and and so you know, and he stole a few games for us last year, and I think this year he's going to probably steal a few more. He's just a guy that we know is going to be there and how he's going to play every day. Have you guys sensed anything? Like you know, I, I talked to a lot of the coaches as the season got underway. the The shot clock reset is it that big of a deal, or is it something that you don't think we're even going to notice until like the one scenario where it plays out? We're like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like it, it, is it is it not that big of a deal for it to not reset to the full eighty? I really don't, I mean, for us, you know, in practice, how we've done it in the scrimmage, it really hasn't been a factor. You know, just the resets, it, it, you know, it helps. So it hasn't been a factor into what we've done. So yeah. I think you're going to see a couple situations like, you know, you win a face-off, you, you go down, you shoot it, there's 75 seconds on the clock, the goalie gets a save and it resets to 60. You know, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that, that's what it is. You know what I mean? And so, so um, I think you're going to see some scenarios like that or you, a shot rings off the pipe, it goes over the crossbar, you know, in that case, it doesn't reset to 60 because it went over the midfield line. It resets to 80 because it went over the midfield line. So they're going to get some of those scenarios that can uh, be a little uh, interesting. But for us, we haven't really noticed it the way we play. I think our guys have done a great job of it, understanding the time and the situation. This, this is going to be a promise. It's going to trip up your play-by-play guy, and you guys are going to end up making fun of me when you're watching a broadcast back at some point because yeah, I'm going to. You've got to watch the officials. Look for the pump of the of the twirl. Well, but I, I but I yeah I heard I heard that it's like a different signal altogether. So I'm it's yeah. give, you're gonna you're gonna have to bear with me for a couple games as I screw it up. Paul. Like that's, that's right. the MC's there. You know she's always right. So she'll be oh, right there with I, I told her it was going to be her responsibility. <laughs> I said you're the one that's going to have to figure this out, and she was like, I'm going to take a couple games off. <laughs> Thanks a lot, MC. I appreciate that. Um, uh, Paul, you know, obviously you guys have a championship standard at Stevenson. That's the way that it goes, winning national championships, winning conference championships. 
Um, how much do you guys talk about that internally? How much do you talk about, hey, this is why you came here? Is is we're here not to be a team that wins games and is having. We're we're here to make deep runs towards Memorial Day weekend, and that's what we intend to do with Stevenson Lacrosse. I mean, I think we just talk about it in our first meeting. This is our this is the standard. Uh, this is what we want to achieve, and this is how we got to go about it. And I think we do that. We don't talk much about it after that. I think the how we play. Uh, it's really important. Uh, the intensity we bring, the toughness we bring each and every day uh, will translate to the game field. And so, uh, you know, we want to win. Our guys want to win. And you know, winning is important to us. Uh, and how we win is important to us. Uh, I think that guys understand that. And anything less than that is, is, is really a failure for us. You know, we're going to try really hard. And, but we think, you know, setting those goals are really important. And in trying, to achieve, uh, the, trying to achieve the highest goal in the sport is really important. And so I think our guys understand what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that not only helps them while they're here, but also definitely in, uh, definitely helps them when they leave and, and their quality of life and their work and what they do, they put into it. So they set high goals. <clears throat> Excuse me. They set high goals and they try to achieve them. That's what we try to do. Our goals high. We hope to achieve that. We hope to be playing in there. But you know, we have 17, 17 really tough regular season games to get through, and we have to play a certain way to do that. And uh, that's the uh, that's the tough part to be able to play at that high of a level for yep. that long. It all gets underway Saturday night against your sinus at Mustang Stadium. You can find out more by going to GoMustangSports.com. And this year's Mustang Classic comes up in uh, March. But my God, how many more games can you put in this thing, dude? Like, my word, how much can you ask of us for the course of the weekend? Holy hell. I think I can do one more, one more game today. I was kidding the other day. We can start at, like, 9 o'clock, and we'll be good to go. We have a, six games a day. Have a just nine, do it. Why not? A we already nine, have 10, 10 games a game. Oh, six. You guys are nuts. We'll do a 9.30 late <laughs> face-off. And That's right. Make it Let's work. Let's go. Uh, Paul Cantabana, looking forward to being out there Saturday night. Always appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Best of luck, all right? I appreciate you having me. This is Coach Paul Cantabana from Stevenson. They get their season underway Saturday night against Ursinus. Whew. All right. Today's show is also brought to you by, this one is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Of course, you know how much I love Glory Days Grill. As Paul said, I was turning tricks for Smoky Thigh Wings. Magic tricks is what I was turning. I got to think about when my kids might start watching the show. Just got to start thinking about that. My son's seven. It's so funny to me when, like, they come to talk to me about something. Like, they're way smarter than I realize they are. Like, they they just, it's the nature of being kids, right? Like, you just kind of, because they're your kids, you sort of always assume that they're, like, this sort of helpless creature. And then, like, one day my seven-year-old will come talking to me about, like, some, like, real-life stuff. And I'll be like, what the hell is where did you learn that from? Like, what is that? All you ever talk about is boogers and farts. Like, where did where did this come from? He'll talk to me about it, like a real issue. He knows way more of the presidents than like I understand. He, I think he knows more presidents than my wife does, frankly. Like, he was listing off names of presidents last night. I'm like, what? What is this? It's Smart it's kid. Amazing how children's brains are like sponges. And how much oh, they forget as they get older. Like when I when I was a little kid, apparently I knew the name of every single bone in the human body. That's weird. I don't don't That's know weird. nearly. I still think I know all of the state capitals. I'm pretty sure I still know all of them. I had to think about that. Like I, you know, it's funny is I know like the random ones better than I know the main ones. Like I I know uh, Pierre and Bismarck and Montpellier and Concord and things like that and Wheeling, West Virginia, but like. I'm pretty sure Portland's the capital of Oregon, but if somebody told me it was something else, I'd have no choice but Salem, maybe? I'd have no choice to believe them. 
Because, like, I for some bizarre reason, I just know the random ones better than I know the other ones. And the moral of the story is at some point, my kids are going to start being more in tune with the show. And I'm going to have to think about some of these jokes that I make about turning tricks for smoky thigh wings and things along those lines. I'm going to have to reconsider it. I feel like by the time they're that age, though, they'll know it's a it's shtick that it's uh, no like they, they, no, 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 you're you're way off. Like they're going to they're going to there's there's like a five year period where you can't they know enough to know, but they don't know enough to be in on it. Like okay. they they don't understand. I trying to think of exactly when the five-year period somewhere between middle school for sure middle school of course is the worst time in the history of humanity like middle school was just, for me it just shouldn't exist it's 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 an abomination it's god-awful like somehow some way and i'm convinced it has something to do with just the concept of middle school it's not just the, like the ages of course make it very awkward but i'm convinced that the concept of middle school makes it worse like there's so few people in the school because it's only three grades right that like you feel like you're entering into real life, but you only have like the the vision of a very small group of people, and they're all in this insanely awkward period in their life. Like nobody has any confidence whatsoever. Nobody. It's just it's it's horrendous. Everything about the concept of middle school is truly horrendous. What what if we just don't call it middle school? I've like I, like, I don't know why extended elementary. But we, we used to be junior high school. I don't know why we got away from junior high school. I'm convinced that also has something to do with it. The switch from junior high school to middle school, because like our parents had junior high school, we had middle school, and I'm convinced that had something to do with it too. Because middle is such a you know a, a rough concept too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it feels like you're not really anything when you're in the middle. Like it, it, all of it makes it so everything about it is just so god. It's an abomination. To me, world. The middle, yes, 100. percent Take some time, little girl. You're in the middle of the ride. Uh, not a top. 15 Jimmy Eat World song though that's the shame of it it's like the most famous Jimmy Eat World song and it's 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 ironically it's quite mid it's quite mid when it comes to Jimmy Eat World songs Jimmy Eat World has a catalog that people don't give nearly enough respect to it's insane how many incredible tunes Jimmy Eat World had moral of all the story is that Smoky Thigh Wings are incredible and I'm not really sure how we got from here to there <laughs> but don't worry about it just enjoy, enjoy the ride Smoky Thigh Wings are amazing the seasonal menu is still available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill with the, um, oh, the grilled meatloaf sandwich and the house-made meatloaf, the short rib grilled cheese. It's all there. Go try it. Put your order in right now for lunch. Bring some home tonight. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to find out more. Um, somebody else was mad at me about Disturb. I'm not telling you that Disturb stinks. What I'm saying is... Disturbed was a niche band. It was a, if you wanted to make weird noises and they didn't make classic music that like will stand the test of time. In, in, by the way, we're already at the test of time. We're 20 years removed from it. Nobody is holding up the sickness as a great rock and roll song. It wasn't. It was a niche song that in its moment worked for a group of people. Don't try to pretend like it's something besides that. You're just fooling yourself. It It's fine. There's something wrong. There's, there's a million of those musicians and bands that have existed over the years that made niche music in a period in which it worked, but overall are not great acts. It's okay. We should be capable of sitting down and acknowledging that and not fighting about it when somebody says, disturb... If you don't understand why there's a difference between disturbed and, say, ACDC, that's on you. 
One of those is an iconic Eternal Great Band. The other was a band that made some music that worked for a little while, but is by no means great to any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying Disturbed is Smash Mouth either. I want to make that abundantly clear. I'm not making them terrible. I'm saying they were what they were. I guess still are. I guess they do still make music at this point. I think that was my point from earlier, is that I feel like they're trying now to make that classic song, and I feel like they're falling no, flat it's, on their it's, face. It's not going to happen. And, and all, like I'm, you, all, all I'm saying you is... You are who you are. Leave on the ho- horse you rode in on. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that for the most part. Every now and then, uh, the band Spoon just put out a record last week, and... I forgot they existed. I, of course you did. Why would anybody have remembered that the band Spoon exists? It's unbelievable, this record that they just put out. It's... The song Wild on this record is one of the best songs I've heard you know, all, I say all year. Somebody say, oh, it's only two months long. In a, in a while. It's an incredible song. So every now and then, someone, and Spoon was always fine to me. I actually think they were a decent band for a long time. They just, you know, were kind of, again, mid. Um, this, is, this is remarkable, this record they put out last week. Um, like, it's, it's a cleaner version of a Black Keys record. Like, it, it sort of removes all the noise and becomes music and still has that sort of feel and vibe that you like. I mean, like, I'm so into this record. And yet, it's Spoon. So every now and then, you can kind of become something that you weren't before, you weren't previously. But for the most part, I tend to agree stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Like, Justin Timberlake trying to do a country record a few years ago. Like, dude, you're Justin Timberlake. It wasn't as awful as Katy Perry trying to do a reggae record, which is just one of the dumbest things that's ever happened in the history of music. But it still, it was nonsensical. Like, what are you doing? What, what is this? You don't need to reinvent yourself. You're beloved. Everyone likes your music. Just keep making more of that eternally, forever. What we were talking about last week with Adele. Like sometimes it's okay if all of your music sounds similar. If it's unbelievably good, Adele makes unbelievably good music. So when the next record comes out, it sounds like the last record. That's a good thing. Like yes, that more of that, please. Do keep doing that. Now, I'm not trying to pretend like Disturbed is Adele. Let's make that very clear. <laughs> like no offense. They'll, they'll, they'll do a hard the, rock cover. Yeah, right. Not in the same. Not in the same conversation. Just not the same thing. But um, I, I, I do, I semi-line up with you in that. Like, just do what you do, and the people that like you are going to like you, and the idea that you're going to become something besides that, stop. Come on. A lot it's of, silly. A lot of the bands that I loved as I was going through adolescence and into my 20s are getting away from the sound that made them so good, in my opinion, and it's annoying me. I, I, okay. Incubus is one of the... Uh, Incubus I is my... Couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you what an Incubus song sounded like. It, and I don't know when the last time was that I heard a new Incubus song. Incubus is my all-time favorite band, right. and they went from singing what I thought were, were classic, um, alternative so- rock mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. to now just stuff that just sounds whiny <laughs> well, they, to me. Uh, 311 is a great example. They, they, they also woke up one day and wanted to be a reggae band, mm-hmm. and we were like, dude, you, no. Like, and I get it. Like The, sort of the, the, the rap metal thing kind of ended... And so they were like, well, we got to get away from it and do something else. And they were like, well, we'll be a, a weed reggae band now. <laughs> we're like, yo, like what? Talk about, about a People, band I haven't heard anything from in a long time. Because why would you? What would there be to hear? I mean, I, it's, it's all. I, uh, there's a few of these. I, Weezer is a band. It's a shame what's happened to them. Like Now, they've had great commercial success for it. So, you know, I'm not going to knock them that. But, like, the music is atrocious. I mean, it's just awful. Whereas, it still sounds like Weezer to me. No, it's very different. It's very different. It's very candy bubblegum pop. 
Like, whereas they, they actually had an edge earlier on in their career. Like, Say It Ain't So was, mm-hmm. a, was a real, like, edgy rock song. And now that's just like, what's the most saccharine sweet thing we could put out and, and get it to get somebody who's 16 to listen to our music the same way that their parents listen to our music? It's just, it's, it's very bad. It's very, very bad. So there's that portion of the program. We've handled that now. What do we do? What do we do exactly? I know what we do. When we come back in, we'll talk to a Super Bowl champion. Jake Funk is going to join us. Uh, former Terp, former Damascus Hornet, man who once ran for seven touchdowns in a state title game at M&T Bank Stadium. Now he's a Super Bowl champ. We're going to chat with him next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. CIAATournament.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by Simply the Bets. Every Wednesday, 11.30 a.m., brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Simply the Bets gets you ready for the week in betting every Wednesday morning at 11.30 a.m. If you missed yesterday's show, you can find it right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab or go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Man, I have uh, we've caught up with this guy a number of times over the years. I, of course, was on the call when he ran for seven touchdowns at M&T Bank Stadium as Damascus won the state title. 
of course, went on to have a great career at Maryland, and now he will forever be able to declare himself a Super Bowl champion. It is a pleasure to welcome back into the program Mr. Jake Funk, who's with us now here on GCR. Jake, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us, and congratulations, my friends. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. First, my first question is, how in the world are you sober and awake at this hour after that party yesterday? Um... I mean, I'm in Vegas right now, and uh, I, I slept probably two hours last night, but I'm here. And, you know, it's pretty early over here, you know, yeah. 30. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're getting through it. When, 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 enjoying it. When Paul said you were going to come on at 11.30 on Thursday morning, I'm like, that's the day after the parade. Wait a second. I know what time it is out there. How in the world yeah, is that? Yeah, yesterday was kind of crazy. Right. Um, Put it that way. How can you describe? So this is like the, the pinnacle. Like everybody dreams of getting to experience it. Like that, you've now experienced it. What? How could you possibly describe what it's like to be a part of something like that to to someone who clearly, you know, none of us are ever going to have that feeling of what it's like to have won a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, it really just explains the why behind why you work so hard. Um, for these kind of moments where you can, you just feel on top of the world. Um, and that's, it, it's amazing. The, the feeling of it is something that I, it's hard to even describe in words, but you can see why guys chase this and can continue to chase it because the, the feeling of this, of winning this thing is very addicting. So, um, it's just unbelievable, and I can't, it's hard for me to even put it into words. No, I can I can only imagine, right? It's still got to be surreal at this point. Jake, you your story is so incredible, right? Like, you were not the most highly regarded recruit, um, despite all of the success that you had in high school. You went through a lot injury-wise. Um, at, at, at any point, did you say to yourself, look, man, it, it's just not going to happen for me, and, and that's okay? At any point... Did you really think there's just no way? And and how much did going through all of that make this even sweeter for you? Well, the thing was, was going through all of it, there was never a doubt in my mind whether or not I could play in the NFL. I knew the whole entire time I could play in the NFL. It's just, it was whether or not I was going to get an opportunity to be able to show it. Um, And that was the the hardest thing for me. And then I finally got an opportunity my fifth year, senior year, um, with the little opportunity I got, made the most of it and was able to put myself in a position to get drafted. Now getting drafted to a team that was now is a Super Bowl championship team. Like that's something I, I couldn't have predicted, right. but I mean, I just thank God that it happened. You right. know? Like, it worked out. Okay. A lot of other guys go that late in the draft. Right. And it's like the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to him for you, man. Like it turned out to be probably the best day of your life. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My God, Jake Funk is with us. He's a Super Bowl champ now. Um, Jake, is there any, you know, I, I, let me, I try to phrase it the right way. My gut tells me there's, there's gotta be a bit of a disappointment that, that you weren't in the game on Sunday, but you're still very much deserving of being a Super Bowl champion. And does it give you more of an edge moving forward to say, okay, now the next one, I want to be the guy catching the touchdown in the flat in the second quarter. Like, like give me the, the positive negative of that whole situation. Yeah, it's just, it's tough. I mean, the, it, it came down to a numbers game. Right, we had uh, for the first time 
this whole season. We had all of our running backs healthy. Um, and really it was just a numbers game where I was just the odd man out. Um, unfortunately, like with the NFL, 53 guys are on the roster, but only 48, I believe, um, actually suit up and play in a game. So um, it was just a numbers game. It was, you know, initially it was a very hard pill to swallow um, because it was the Super Bowl. But I had to internalize it and understand that, you know, I, I was I contributed to what the, to us getting to that point. Um, and really, I mean, I was just able to go out there and just cheer on my teammates and um, celebrate with them because we everybody is a part of it. There's no doubt, right? Like, there's no doubt. And that, that ring is going to fit no matter what you yeah, did exactly. during the course in the game. Jake, um, how did this happen? Like, I, I think the dumb guy answer is you guys have a lot of really good players on your roster, right? Like, we all know that. I, I, I hear that Aaron Donald guy is pretty good. Um, uh, Cooper Cup seems decent. Like, I know the dumb guy answer is you've got a lot of really good players. But a lot of teams have a lot of really good players. What was the difference for this team in coming together to be able to make this run, remembering, right, like it, it was a struggle when you guys came to Baltimore late in the season and, you, and you, you lost your regular season finale. What clicked for you guys to be ready to make a run like this in the postseason? I, I think it was just, you know, like this culture that this team has. Um, it's, a, it's a very uplifting, loving culture where guys truly, truly, truly um, believe in one another to get their job done and trust each other. Um, and that's something that, um, I think really came up, especially in our last three postseason games, where um, in those games, they're all tight games, but um, we really came out at the end of the game and, you know, we're able to trust our teammates and to do their job. Um, and then on, on offense for Matthew to get it, drive us down the field against Tampa, against San Fran, against the Bengals, and then to the defense to come up with critical stops when the, game, when the game's on the line. Um, so we have a, there's a culture here that guys just believing in one another, trusting each other to do their job and understanding that in a quiet confidence that we were the best team in the whole world to begin with. Yeah. I, I mean, I, was that, was the conversation like that to begin the year, Jake? Was it, were you guys talking openly about winning this? I mean, we all saw the roster that was put together. Was that a conversation that you guys were having out loud at the beginning of the season during the course of the season? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's always a team goal right in the beginning of the year is to uh, hold that Lombardi trophy. Um, but as we got closer to the playoffs, I mean, the, it was just this quiet confidence um, that this team had where it was like, okay, we, we have all these stars. Um, we have all these great players. We, I'm like, we had a quiet confidence that we were going to walk, roll into a game, handle our business, and leave. Um, there was always that quiet confidence, and, and that's something that I think um, separated us a little bit. You know, that we, we understood that we had um, these, these star players, and we understood what our team was capable of. All we had to do was just go out and play like it. I, I don't want to – I'm not – my intent with this is not to make you cry, all right, Jake? I want to I lay mm -hmm. that out there. But I remember talking to you at the beginning of the draft process, and even you know, before then, even when you were still at Maryland – and you were among the guys who talked about, I want to live out my own dreams, but I also want to live out Jordan McNair's dreams moving forward. And I remember mm -hmm. you telling me that. And I remember seeing your cleats um, that you wore for, for the, the Jaguars game this season um, to, mm -hmm. to lift him up. How much did you think about Jordan as you guys were making this run? And did you have a moment at all on Sunday where it hit you that like you, you really are living this out for him? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
he's a he's a big reason of like you know why you play the game now for me at least um because um he was a guy who was one of my college teammates a guy who i uh, sweat bled and cried with in you know in the walls of the university of maryland football facility i mean it's it was uh you know he's a brother to me so when you lose a brother i mean it's tough and i mean when i was you know playing out there on sunday you you do you do think about that you know you you do think about how this is what he would love to see you know he's probably looking down um really really proud and that's you know the biggest thing that i could say and you know i i I do 100 percent thought about it during game it's very uh very very humbling it brings me a lot of peace uh, bro, that gave me goosebumps, man. That really did. That legitimately gave me goosebumps. That is a special thing, and I know how special his family is, and I can only imagine what it meant to them to see you uh, be able to celebrate like that after winning the Super Bowl. Just another couple of minutes here with Jake Funk. He is a Super Bowl champion now. Um, uh, Jake, did you have any other moments like afterwards, a, a phone call, a text, something that like meant the most for, for you, for someone that maybe, you know, everybody sees the parade and everybody sees you smoking a cigar in the, the locker room afterwards, but was there a private moment maybe that you shared with someone, a, a former coach, whoever it might be that like really hit you afterwards as being particularly meaningful? It's really just seeing my family. Um, that that's the biggest thing. My parents, my brothers, um, it, it just, it, they supported me throughout everything and being able to like FaceTime my family and, you know, FaceTime my little cousins and, you know, see how proud of them, proud of me that they are. My one little cousin has a little like makeshift Rams helmet and hasn't taken that thing off. Wow. Wow. Um, it's just like little things like that, man, where like you, you just, um, you just appreciate all the people that have truly supported you and wanted you to succeed um, and have supported you when, you know, you weren't getting any recognition. And now when you are getting a lot of recognition as a Super Bowl champion, um, people that are, that have been in there through and through. Um, and that's really just been the most memorable thing for me is just being able to talk to those people and thank them as well as be able to see, um, how I have affected them in a positive way. Oh, that's cool. That is so freaking cool, man. Did you? Uh, we saw uh, the Bengals kicker wouldn't didn't go back to the locker room at halftime. Being inactive at, on Sunday, did you at all think about maybe trying to pull off a stunt like that where you could hang out and and watch the halftime show? I, I actually I did watch that. Oh show. my god, all, you did! <laughs> yeah, all of our uh, inactive guys were able to go out on the field. Inactive and IR guys. We're, we're able to go out on the field and watch it. Dude, how cool um, was that? Yeah, it was so cool. Um, definitely a cool experience. I mean, obviously, would have rather been playing, Of course, but, of course. <laughs> um, definitely a cool experience. I feel like that's an all-time spin zone, though, right? Like, if you're going to have to be inactive, at least you got to hang out and watch one of the greatest halftime shows of all time, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, did you have any conversation about did you? Did, how did how did that go? Did you have to ask for permission, or did like somebody come tell you? Like, how did that play out? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just like, oh, like you know, you guys can go out there and watch it. And we were all like, are you sure? And like, they're like, yeah, like, okay, yeah, right. You don't have to tell me twice. Like, you know, 
right. My God, you get to watch Eminem do lose yourself in front of like my. Yeah, sure, sure. You gotta, you gotta really twist my arm to go out and experience something like that. Yeah, um, exactly. Did Did you keep anything from the game? So when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012. I went back down. I had this like, you know, I, I was I was at the stadium hours later and I had this like bright idea. I'm going to go back downstairs and see what's left in the locker room and down on the field to take um to to, to have for the rest of my life from this moment. And then Vontae Leach had already stolen all of it. Like he had already literally taken everything down, all the signage, everything in order to take it with him. Were you able to get any like mementos from the game itself for you to take back to either give as gifts or to keep eternally? Oh yeah, um, I mean, I, I kept the uh, Super Bowl towels. That they, I gave, I got, what? Kept two Super Bowl towels. I got a handful of confetti. Nice. Um, that I shoved in my bag. Yep. Um, what else did I get? You, we were able to get our jersey. We were able to get our nameplate on top of our locker. Nice. Um, and then all everything, all of our sweatsuits. We got a lot of memorabilia, but really. Um, for me, the towels and the confetti were the two that I like. Was like, all right, I'm gonna like sneak these out of here. By the way, the confetti goes. I I grabbed so much confetti when I was in there. It goes such a long way because like it's such a small thing. You give someone like one piece of confetti, and it's nothing. But yet people feel like you're giving them a real like legitimate gift because they like love you, they love the team, whatever it is. Like the confetti goes such a long way in gift yeah. giving. It's one. It's one yep, tiny exactly. piece of confetti. Oh, how much of it are you keeping for yourself, and how much are you giving away? I really, honestly, haven't even thought that that much through. I get it. I mean, I just have been completely. <laughs> yeah, you've been, you've been in a blur. State of mind the last couple days. <laughs> I it's but, so I like I really want to say how did you end up in Vegas and I'm hoping the story is like I don't even know like I'm just hoping I mean it it was it was just like all right we got done the parade what do you guys want to do all right we're going to <laughs> Vegas so so but we I'm here with about like 20 to 25 of my teammates that is so awesome oh yeah that's so cool man I guess is you do whatever you do right and I I'm hoping that you have a 10 year career. You know that you 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 win a bunch of these, but like the the realization that you will always be in the small percentage of human beings that will get to have experienced this and know what it feels like, dude. That's unreal, man. Like that is so unreal. Uh, Jake Funk, we're so happy for you, bro. I mean, that's so cool. Thank, hey, hey, thank you guys. You so know, much. can I can I can I get one in real quick before uh, Weddle, man, him showing up and doing what he did for you guys when he got into the playoffs. Can you put into words real quick before we let you go what that meant? Yeah, Eric Weddle is the man. Let's put it that way. He, yeah. he is a uh, he's an absolute legend in all of our eyes. I mean, the guy tore his pec in the first quarter and played the whole Super Bowl. Nah. Um, and I mean, what I mean, just what a guy! What an overall great man, great human being. Um, a guy who just you know came into our locker room and just immediately boosted our team. Um, and, and a guy who just works his tail off like no like nobody's business i mean he he li- pretty much lives in the facility he gets he's the earliest one there and the last to leave like he might as well just have a bed um i could go on and on about that guy um but just really he's just an amazing human being um and you know a hell of a football player that's so cool jake funk 34 on twitter and instagram that's how you follow him jake congratulations man it's so happy for you uh hopefully we'll have more of these conversations in the future thank you for getting up early and doing this with us dude yeah thank you guys so much for having me Jake Funk, Super Bowl champion for the uh, L.A. Rams, and, of course, former Terp, former Damascus star. and um, Great story. Incredible story. Everything he's been through. 
two-star recruit, multiple major surgeries during his career, had to grind it out just to get a crack at the NFL, nearly went undrafted. Awesome. Awesome story, Jake Funk. So happy for him. And, um, you know, that's what I talked about. Like, the Rams thing doesn't do a lot for me on the whole, but the individual stories, incredible. And, um, you know, Jake Funk doesn't get a lot of national press because, you know, he didn't even, he wasn't even active for the game, which is a huge bummer. Like, he had been active every game. And then, you know, as he pointed out, just the way the numbers worked out. Um, he was active every game and then wasn't active. Not every game all season, but he'd been active, whatever the consecutive streak. Like, he'd been active for all the playoff games. He'd been mm-hmm. active. He'd been active and, active and active. And I don't remember who it was that came back, but somebody else coming back for the Super Bowl itself was the reason he got bumped. Damn, that's it's it's a it's a bummer, but it takes nothing. Like, dude, you're still a Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a big part of the team. A hundred percent. There's no doubt about that. Um, and and you still get that ring that you get to wear for the rest of your life, man. Um, being a part of it, that's 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 incredible. So very happy for Jake Funk, and he's always been a great dude, and we've always rooted for him. So that's an awesome thing. Uh, speaking of Maryland, of course, on the cover of the new issue of Press Box, you will find legendary former Maryland basketball coach Gary Williams, as it is now available all throughout town, your neighborhood Royal Farm store, all the hundreds of locations where you find Press Box throughout the region. That is the print issue of Press Box. It celebrates the 20th anniversary of Maryland cutting down the nets back in 2002. And Stan the Fan and I sat down for a lengthy conversation with Gary Williams, and he was really open, very emotional, like very emotional 20 years later. And, you know, he talks about this all the time. And that was kind of what was powerful to me and particularly emotional. Like when we started asking him about the final game at Cole Fieldhouse and like it, he was, I don't know how much it conveys in print, but like it was powerful. It was really powerful to hear it in his voice. Um, I, it kind of blew me away. So I appreciated his candor, and I appreciated the way that he talked openly about how his reflection has changed over 20 years. And it sort of led to the column that I wrote for this month's print print issue about how my um, reflections have changed in 20 years after Maryland basketball won the national championship. I, I didn't go to Atlanta. Uh, my buddies and I, we got to Cole Fieldhouse. We watched the game there. And I distinctly remember my buddy Josh afterwards being like, dude, we just should have driven down. What, what's, what's wrong with us? And I legitimately said in that moment, dude, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for us to do that. Like, we'll be at the next one. 20 years removed, there ain't been a next one. There hasn't been anything close. There hasn't been an Elite Eight in 20 years. And it's, you know, impacted my reflection, and it's made it all the more significant to me what it is that, that team accomplished. So um, go pick up that print issue of Pressbox right now. You can, of course, read it all at uh, pressboxonline.com as well. Our uh, 20th anniversary celebration of the Maryland Men's Basketball National Championship. I feel like there were three other things that I had on the list of things that I wanted to touch on today, but I made the mistake. I was so caught up in curling this morning. I, that's not That, by the way, is not a bit. I was that caught up in the curling this morning. It's all I was thinking about. My wife literally looked at me at one point like, don't you have to leave to go to work? And I was like, baby, let this end finish, and then I'll get in the car. I was that excited about it, and that's why it was that crushing to me when it didn't. It did not work out. Um, Dave. Dave asked, 
Glenn, you were talking about Russell Wilson and whether or not he would actually leave. Here's my question at this point. What's the team that's really Russell Wilson specifically away from winning a Super Bowl that they would pay the exorbitant price that you would need to pay? I'm not saying there aren't a bunch of teams that need quarterbacks, but I'm telling you, look at those teams and tell me which one of them specifically wins the Super Bowl next year with Russell Wilson. Dave, I, I think I understand what you're trying to say. I think I get that. But wouldn't we have said the same thing about Matt Stafford a year ago? I think what you're trying to say is separate Russell Wilson from Aaron Rodgers, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, put him on any of these teams that need a quarterback, and you're going to assume that team is a Super Bowl contender a year from now. I'm trying to think of who. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers could make Carolina a Super Bowl contender, but they'd be in the conversation if they had Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers and Wilson could make the Broncos and the Steelers Super Bowl contenders. I, I, I think. I think that the knock is, like, the idea is that we feel like there's something wrong with Russell Wilson, that something has gone wrong beyond just the situation, beyond just the players that are around him, that specifically something has soured with Russell Wilson. And maybe it's in relation to, and this is maybe the Kyler Murray conversation, that we we put a limitation on what we believed Russell Wilson could be because of his size, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we began with that. We always thought there was going to be a limitation, and now, as he gets older, and some of his other skills, erode is the wrong word because he's very skilled. He's still very, he's very mobile. I, I, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but he's not the same as he was in 2014, for example. In 2022, that issue becomes more prevalent, right? I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I, to your point, and this is the thing I'll say about Pittsburgh was literally missing one thing a quarterback so is the question is it worth it you had negative quarterback play a year ago their argument might be we think we can get away with Kirk Cousins just not having negative quarterback play if we can just get average quarterback play given the roster we put together we think we can do something with that and so if that's the case why are we trading extraordinary capital in order to get Russell Wilson and there might be something to be said for that I think that his point is more like, if you stuck Russell Wilson in New Orleans right now, could they win the Super Bowl? I don't know. He's got to go somewhere where there's an offensive line. He's still deadly One, accurate. And, but, but that would make that, need, that would make New Orleans a strong argument, right? Yeah. Like New Orleans has an excellent offensive line. Um, yeah, they would. Still, I would think it would require there being like you got to figure out what the hell the Michael Thomas situation is. You mm -hmm. know, that sort of conversation went away completely. Um. I think if you give Michael Thomas uh, Russell Wilson, yeah, but he probably I, falls in line a little bit. Probably, but I still the whole thing is just very weird, right? Like yeah. it's it's just very weird. I don't know what to make of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I I do. I think that Russell Wilson could make the Saints a Super Bowl contender. So I guess you would have to tell me who you, who of the teams that need quarterbacks, do you think he couldn't? make a Super Bowl contender. Like, if you want to say you don't think he could make Houston a Super Bowl contender, well, I don't think Aaron Rodgers could make Houston a Super Bowl contender, honestly. I think Aaron Rodgers could win in Houston because he's Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think anybody can make Houston a Super Bowl contender. Who else? Who else needs a quarterback that... All the other teams that I can think of, Denver, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, New Orleans, I think that he makes them a legitimate contender. I think Denver, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, New Orleans are all a step above 
I, I, I guess my my answer, my response would be it's the same either way. I don't think there's a team that Aaron Rodgers can truly make a Super Bowl contender that Russell Wilson couldn't. Right. I think there are teams that Aaron Rodgers... I think if Aaron Rodgers went to Carolina, they could be a threat to do some things. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, right? I think that somebody would... You would start listing them as a Super Bowl contender because Aaron Rodgers was there, but I don't think they'd legitimately be a Super Bowl contender. So, no, I don't think Russell Wilson... I think that Aaron Rodgers could get more in Carolina than Russell Wilson could. I think Aaron Rodgers could get more in, say, Washington than Russell Wilson could, but I don't think either one of them could make that team a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they, they could make Washington a Super Bowl a Super Bowl contender, but Carolina, with that defense, if Christian McCaffrey's healthy with the receiving court they have, they could do some damage there, I think. I, I, I think Carolina just has this stigma, but they have, they have some players down there. They've got some players, yeah, some... I I don't think it's enough to win a Super yeah, The big question mark think, is Christian McCaffrey. I don't know well, if he'll ever not it's, be injured. It's again. a it's a significant question mark. I agree. I think they've got some some question marks uh, kind of all over the like. Besides, I, I think that Robbie Anderson has been a nice piece, and DJ Moore has clearly been quite good. But mm-hmm. like, they don't have a tight end that's a special player. Right. They don't have a like they. I think they need so much of the offense goes through Christian McCaffrey that when. You get to a point in the game where you've got to really throw the ball downfield, and you got to come up with a big conversion on third down. I just don't know who I'm trusting beyond. Yeah. Like a, the, a lot of attention, of course, is going to go to McCaffrey still, and 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 worthy to DJ Moore, and so maybe it doesn't matter as much. But I still have some other questions about Carolina. Yes, John. By the way, uh, both. Thank you. A, a, a few of you that pointed out it was uh, Daryl Henderson who came back. Yes, thank. That was the reason why Jake Funk was inactive. Sorry, I don't. Thank you. That is correct. That is the reason why Jake Funk didn't play. And then John and Little Rock followed up and said, I'm not as high on Pittsburgh's offense as you. Their offensive line and their receivers are okay, not elite. I, yeah, I mean, like, there's not a Cooper Cup there. I don't disagree with that. I think Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are both really good. And I, I think you can win significantly without having to have otherworldly. Like, I. How many otherworldly wide receivers are there in the NFL? Cooper Cup became that for sure, of course. Um, I don't know that Mike Evans is otherworldly. I think he's really good. I think he's an athletic freak. But is he otherworldly? I'd say he's otherworldly. The dude just all he does is score touchdowns. He scores a lot of touchdowns. I don't disagree with that. And I think he's a great because of that. Is and because of his size, is a great option to have in the red zone. But is he utter complete? I think there's a tier a tier one that's a handful of guys, and then I put them in tier two. And if you want to say that Pittsburgh doesn't even have anybody in tier two, yeah, I'd listen to that, right? Like, they don't really have anybody right now that I would say is tier two, but I think they have guys that could become that if they just had a quarterback to throw them the ball. Ch- look at Chase Claypool's frame. I think that if he had an actual quarterback, we might start thinking of Chase Claypool as that type of football player. Um I am I am higher again. I'm acknowledging I don't think they have any elite wide receivers, but I think they have enough good ones. Enough right, good ones that with a real quarterback, one of those guys might start putting up the type of productivity that you'd say maybe this guy's a little bit better than we realized he is. And the two, obviously Johnson and Claypool, are the ones that stand out of that group. I mean James Washington's a guy. Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't even know if he's going to be back. you know, they also have a propensity for finding really high-level talent there. But to your point about their offensive line, yes, they need to continue to upgrade their offensive line. There's no question about that. Their their roster on the whole, everything they have defensively, combined with having a running back, combined with having multiple pass-catching options, I think I, I'm not 
I don't believe that they can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I think they can win enough with Kirk Cousins. They won a lot, and they didn't have a quarterback. Give them any competent quarterback, I think they can win a little bit more than that. I don't think they can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, though. I think they would need, if they want to win a Super Bowl next year, it would have to be Rodgers or Wilson or, you know, in some bizarre-ass world where they're the team that gets Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett's just, immediately Josh Allen or something like that, right? Like, that's the only scenario by which I think they could win a Super Bowl. And from Joe, Joe says, Glenn, thank you for having Jake Funk on this morning. I feel like his story needs to be told to more young athletes who go through tribulations. Yeah, she's a great, it's a great story. Great story, Jake Funk. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel. Always the place to be for big events is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland in Hanover. Plus, you can win your share of $10,000 cash just by signing up for Live Rewards. New Live Rewards members can also receive up to $20 free play just by signing up. Sign up by March 31st. Cash drawings are on April 1st at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. What we got. All right. So I was thumbing through some stats last night trying to come up with uh, something for this segment when I stumbled upon something I found quite interesting. Did you know that in Ravens franchise history, eight different players have returned to kickoff for a touchdown in the regular season? Jacoby Jones paces the field as the only player with more than one having having returned four kicks for touchdowns. Nobody else has done it more than once. But that's not the most interesting part. The most interesting part is that Jermaine Lewis is not one of those players. He never returned a kickoff for a touchdown in the regular season. He returned six punts for touchdowns, but never a kickoff. Uh, his, interesting. His kickoff return touchdowns. He rolled. This is very. This is very rare. We got to. We got to try to lock um, tidbit back to like things that we're talking about during the course of the show. I get, I'm, we'll do it. We're, I'm saying we're not going to do it. We just got to try to tie that back together a little bit. Yeah, there's it's, not really much going on. What am I going to do, a tidbit about curling? You absolutely should do a tidbit about curling. Curling is very important, Paul. There's no doubt about that. It's very important. You've been saying how much you don't care about the Olympics all week. I've been talking about curling specifically. Is okay, the thing I will try I and find about. a curling tidbit well, for tomorrow. Not, I'm not going to be talking about curling tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Go ahead. Anyway. All right. Well, now I don't even want to do Just it. Just stop it. Go finish it up. <laughs> in Super Bowl history, 10, yes. 10 players have returned a kickoff for a touchdown, Desmond Howard's being, of course, the most famous as it helped him become the MVP of Super Bowl 31. Yep. Aside from Jermaine Lewis, can you name the other four players in, to return a kickoff for a touchdown in the Super Bowl since 2000? So, Jacoby? You're, J- Jacoby you're Jones right. in Super Bowl 37. Okay. No, this is the answer after that. I have no idea who else returned it. That's my lord. Um... Uh, did Devin Hester get one in the Bears Super Bowl? He in did, Super didn't Bowl he? 41, yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. It was like all they did in that that Super Bowl. Um, how about yuck? I'm trying to think of guys that yuck. Um, I feel like someone did in one of the Dallas Super Bowls, but I don't think it was Dion. This is since 2000. Oh, since 2000. Mm-hmm. Sorry. All right. That is a horse of a different color. And, and um, keep in mind, Jermaine Lewis's was an, an answer. Right. To Ron, oh, to Ron Dixon. That's Ron right. Dixon. Ron Dixon. And you That's have right. one more. I wouldn't be surprised you didn't get it. I love this player, but he, he, he couldn't stay healthy. Um, couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't stay healthy. 
Love this player, but he couldn't stay healthy. I believe there's a player with his same name in the league now. I think he might be a kicker or a punter. Kicker or a punter that has the same name as a guy that returned. Uh, man. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver that has the same name. No, he is a punter. He is a punter. He's definitely not a wide receiver. Who? What punter? All right, hang on a second. It's not Andy Lee. It's not Sam Cook. It's not Tress Way. It's not Presley Harvin. Punter. It's it's not the it's not Colquitt. It's not Johnny Hecker. No. What? It is Presley Harvin. I, I oh, because it was Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin. Yeah, different, similar name, but yeah, it, very in, similar in here, name. Yeah, I, I put in Percy Harvin the third, and it put up both of them, and it just said Percy Harvin the third yeah, next to Pre Presley. Presley Harvin is the 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 Steelers punter. Percy yes. Harvin was the. Uh, he did it in Super Bowl thirty. I guess that makes sense. They scored a lot of points. Um, I I definitely there was a there was. People that cared about Florida football thought that Percy Harvin was a massive deal. Like, thought he was just going to be the biggest star of all I stars. I love Percy Harvin. But he was a stud, but he had the concussion I, issues. I, I can't separate him from this bizarre moment I had in my uh, broadcasting career. So, um, I, 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 don't, I didn't know this guy well, but when I was working down at 106.7 and 99.1 in D.C., they had a producer named Robert Bodie, I believe was his name. And everybody seemed to like him. He seemed like a nice guy. I didn't really get to know him at all, but he was the producer of the afternoon show. And whenever there was like legitimate breaking news, they would um, it would be the the anchor's job to say, "Hey, let's hit the breaking news sounder, and I'll break in with this breaking news, right?" And oh, I got to figure out what because it was oh Jesus, I got to pull up Percy Harvin's Wikipedia page now and figure out he was traded at some point during his career. And I got to figure out exactly what the story was of where he was traded to and when. So I can I can do this math. I'm a I'm a capable individual. He was traded um, in October of 2014. He was traded to the Jets. So we already knew at this point that Percy Harvin was not like he was just a guy at this point in his career. So I have I have this maniac come flying into the update studio. What are you doing? We need we got breaking news. We need you on it. I'm like, what the F? What did I miss? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's our job to monitor if there's breaking news. I'm like, what the hell? And so um, my buddy Chad Dukes, who was the afternoon show host at the time, he hears this, like, commotion, and he's like, what breaking news is there? And he was like, Percy Harvin just got traded. And I'm like, why in the F would that be breaking news? Like, why would we on a Washington, D.C. sports? Was he traded to the, the Redskins? No, he was traded to the Jets. Why would we break into our... I don't even know if it would make my next update that Percy Harvin got traded. And, like, we both look at this guy. Chad's like, are you out of your effing mind? You think we're going to break in to programming to announce that Percy Harvin had been traded to the Jets for a conditional draft pick? Like, what? What is wrong with you? And so this guy kind of sulks back to the producer studio, like, like he has been admonished by the talent. Like he's very upset about it. And I, I'm telling the story later to somebody else that worked at the station. I'm like, this is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Is this guy really thought we should come on and like break news about Percy Harvin getting traded? And they were like, oh, dude, he's a massive Florida fan. Like he just, they, 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 they. There are people that when you're a fan of something. You lose concept. You lose thought 
for what they actually are because you just like them that bad. And people like I talked like Rita loves Florida. Um, I've talked to other Florida. They just loved Percy Harvin so much that they are convinced when like when he was teasing two years ago that he wanted to return to the league. There were legitimately people that love Florida like, ah, this guy can still be a game changer. You're like, dude, what do you what? What is the disconnect? Hasn't played in five years. What is the disconnect here? And Rita certainly wasn't one of those people. But like, um, it, it it's just it's wild to me the way that people embrace somebody and just don't have no connection to what they actually are whatsoever. I'd probably feel that way if Barry Bonds came back. That's a different thing. Barry Bonds was a highly successful. Was one of the greatest baseball like players 50. of all time. No, he certainly. You'd be wrong, but, but like the. We already knew the answer on Percy Harvin. Yeah. Like, it was over. It was over. He was hanging around like it was a Counting Crows song at that point, right? Like, he was still in the league, but we knew he was not a superstar by any stretch of the imagination. Like, he was just a guy. That's that's all he was, was just a guy. Like, nothing more than that. And in no world was anybody ever going to, you know, do... I don't think in New York they were doing breaking news sounders for the fact that the Jets had acquired Percy Harvin at that mm-hmm. point in his career. I actually pulled it up. He was traded for a conditional draft pick um, in the 2015 NFL draft. He was a throwaway. He was a, here, this guy stinks. If you want to try to see if you can get something from him, by all means. But he is definitely not the guy that we had hoped that Percy Harvin was going to become. But, yes, was a talent for sure. It was a guy that had uh, the ability that you thought was going to be special. Yeah, that's I, it's something that I had on my list. I, I wanted to get an answer, and I don't know. The Orioles have announced a press conference for tomorrow um, with John Angelos and with Brandon Scott. So, first of all, once the Orioles announce a press conference, it's clearly not going to be about a player signing because they're in the middle of a, of a lockout. So the assumption with Brandon Scott being there is that that probably isn't for showing you left field. Why would the mayor of the city need to be there for a press conference about left field? It makes you think that it's about the lease. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. But the lease isn't with the city. The lease is with the state. So I'm not going there either. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make... like if, If you were announcing a press conference specifically about the lease... Brandon Scott certainly could show up. I mean, there's no reason, like, you're the mayor of the city. You can show up to whatever you want to show up to. But I don't know what the need would be for him to be there. He's not a representative of the state in any way. The, the, the lease is with the state. The lease is with the stadium authority. That has nothing to do with the city of Baltimore. Brandon Scott has no governance over that. So it, I'm not telling you it can't be that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it just that's not sensical. There's not a direct connection between the mayor of Baltimore and the lease that the Orioles have with the state of Maryland. So I guess what I'm saying is I think it's possible it's something that's not a very big deal, but it's more like a couple people have, uh, have thought out loud. Could it be the announcement of a concert of a major event that's coming to Camden Yards? We know that Camden Yards has wanted to, wanted to do more major events And so that would be the type of thing that would maybe make more sense for the mayor to be there for is announcing a major event that's coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Woodstock 3. I I don't – why, actually, I think they've actually attempted a Woodstock 3 before. Um, Could it be that they're announcing they're going to try to play uh, a football game at Camden Yards? That that's – in in reconfiguring left field, they've done the math, and they could now fit a football field in at Camden Yards, and they want to announce that. Like, okay, but I would think they would announce that, like, football coaches would be a part. I don't I don't know is the answer. I don't – and that's part of the reason why I'm just wildly speculating, 
the first couple things I saw were, well, the mayor would only be there because of the lease. Well, the mayor has nothing to do with the lease at all. Nothing. It's between the Orioles and the state, the lease. So he can be there. Again, it doesn't guarantee that's not what it is. He can be there for whatever reason he wants to be there. But the conclusion that you're announcing a press conference with the owner of the team and the mayor means it's got to be the lease. Well, no, that actually doesn't make sense. But again, doesn't we don't we just don't know. We don't know why it is the Orioles are holding a press conference tomorrow. But either somebody will report it between now and then, or we will find out tomorrow. And my gut is, if nobody reports it between now and then, it is because it's not something as significant as the lease. It is because it's more like we're announcing a partnership with the city to do blank, whatever it is. Um, which is lovely, and, and there's no problem with that whatsoever. We'll find out. I'm, I'm just, we're speculating for speculation's sake. And I get that. When when something like this gets announced, you you want to believe it's something amazing and cool, and, and that's what you're hoping for. And, and why would you have a press conference if it's not something amazing and cool? By the way, I like concerts too, for the record. Like, if it ends up being a concert, I'm cool with that. I didn't go to the Billy Joel concert because I was out of town that week, but I would have if I had been home. Like, I'm all for there being more concerts at Camden Yards. How about a reunited outcast playing at Camden Yards? Mm, I'd love that. It'd be the greatest I'd moment. Be, be the greatest moment in the history of humanity. Like let's 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 make that happen. Maybe it's the maybe it's the they bring the Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige world tour to Camden Yards this summer. Hell yeah. All in for that. That's I'm I'm living for it. Totally Tubular brought to you by the CIAA Tournament. That's a major event. It's coming to Baltimore. I'm pretty sure the mayor was there when they announced that one. Love that. CIAA Tournament.org in order to get your tickets. It's going to be an incredible event throughout the course of the city. You're going to want to be a part of it and experience what a cultural phenomenon the CIAA is. It starts next Tuesday, the 22nd through 26th at Royal Farms Arena make it happen yeah um um yes brian powell concert event yeah that's what i think and and john little rock maybe it's an initiative to partner with the city to do to do what whatever it is i that that's 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 to do something and i like that i like the orioles being involved civically i like whatever it is i don't we're spending too much time because we're just speculating about all of this we just don't know we don't know is the answer we don't know all right, uh, here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular. I've mentioned it a few times this week. Huge game for Towson tonight. They take on UNC Wilmington, 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Big, big game. Top two teams in the CAA getting together tonight. You should tune in for that. The Maryland women host Ohio State, 8 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Mount St. Mary's is at home at 7 against St. Francis Brooklyn on NEC Front Row. Big Ten hoops this afternoon. This is a makeup game. Minnesota-Penn State at 4 on Big Ten Network. The U.S. women's soccer team in action tonight at 11 for the She Believes Cup against Czech Republic, or, or Chechia, as I learned. Uh, that's on ESPN. The Daytona Duels tonight at 7 on Fox Sports 1. Uh, the rest of college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. Capitals Flyers at 7 on NBC Sports Washington+. Plus. NHL Network for Kraken Jets at 8. NBC Sports Washington for Wizards Nets at 7.30. TNT's got Sixers Bucks at 8.30. Round 1 of the PGA's Genesis Invitational at 4 o'clock on the Golf Channel. I guess the word is that the Saudi thing is like official. They've got 20 players, and that's what they wanted in order to announce it, so they're going to announce it here in the next month. It's very weird. I don't care enough about golf to care all that much, but certainly even from as an outsider, everything about it. There is this bizarre... Forrester tweeted out a quote from Phil Mickelson who, like, openly admits that what he's doing is awful. He's like, I hate this. I don't want to do it. 
They're murderers. We don't like them. But he's signing up for it anyway. He's like, because I want to, I, I want to get one over on the PGA Tour. Like, dude, this is a weird bit. Everything about this is a really weird bit. I just don't care enough about it to care. Uh, Olympics, of course, tonight on USA, NBC, and CNBC, and um, uh, WWE uh, Network for NXT UK this afternoon at 3. Non-sports highlights. Uh, on Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight, uh, Ringo Starr and Sean White are going to be on at 11.35. You have the continuation of the Jeopardy National College Championship at 8 o'clock on ABC. Jersey Shore Family Vacation at 8 o'clock on Maybe MTV. Ringo Starr is coming to Camden Yards. Maybe that's Maybe what this that's is all about. Is. And Maybe he's that's announcing it on Jimmy Kimmel so Live. It's a reunion of Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr to play a tour this summer. I'm all for with, it. With, with holograms. Of yeah, I don't, I don't want that. I'm out on the holograms. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. But I'm, I'd be down for that. I'd be down for Paul and Ringo playing together. Um, the season finale, for some reason I thought last week was the season finale, but tonight's the season finale of uh, Peacemaker on HBO. Uh, they did Max. announce they picked it up for a second season, though. Oh, that's awesome. Which is good news. Yeah, it was it's good news. Good I like show. that show. Good yes. show. And like um, some other stuff and things. I watched really? What did I? Oh, I watched that. What was that Kristen Bell show on Netflix? The girl in the the window with the girl across the street or like, something like don't that. Don't be a menace to South Central. Yeah, it had an insanely long title that you're like, what are you doing here? Uh, and and at some point it went from being a thriller to attempting to be a comedy, but like it wasn't really funny. It was everything about it was really effing bizarre, man. But it was it kept me. You know, I, it's difficult for me to quit things. I I stayed with it. And the the twist leaves you want like you hate it. You hate the twist is shocking, and then you realize you hate it, and then you realize like they want you to hate it. Like it's so it's so effing bizarre. I if you haven't started, I'd recommend you not. It it it's fine. Like it's the concept was sound. But it's just not enough of anything for me to say it was good. It wasn't funny enough to be funny. It wasn't enough of a thriller, like, to work as a thriller. It was it was crazy, but that's about all it was. I would stay away. I would just stay away from it at that point. All right, thanks today to, boy, what a good show. Uh, thanks to Jake Funk. Thanks to Paul Cantabene. Thanks to Keith Law. Thanks as well to John Klossmeyer. We'll get all that up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, on the program tomorrow, what are we doing tomorrow? Uh, I know I booked something for tomorrow. Oh, the uh, the new athletic director at uh, Towson University, Dr. Steven Eigenbrot, is going to join us tomorrow, hopefully talking about a big win. I know he's going down to Wilmington for the game tonight and stuff and things. i got some got some things in the works I'm working on. Ooh, some you. things in the works. Some uh, uh, Irons and Fires, as yeah. we like to say. My favorite band in college is Irons and Fires. Looking forward to them being on the show. It's not them. a real band, Paul. It's definitely not a real band. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including our friends at Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, CIAA Tournament, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go Towson. Go Maryland women. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.